And good morning. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Busy day on tap. Lots to cover. What a day it was for Grayson Rodriguez. Unfortunately, not an Orioles win, but going to be hard to slow down that hype train. First inning, we're all like, eek. And then all of a sudden, we're like, oh, my God. People were like, this is the number one pitching prospect? Yeah, well, we saw it. Kyle, we Sta- Kyle Stowers knew. Correct. Yes. Did he ever. Um, we will uh, we will talk about that throughout the course of the morning. In fact, Chris Rose, uh, of course, from John Boy and NFL Network and BattleBots is going to check in with us. We'll see what he thought about Grayson Rodriguez's first start. Also coming up in the just a couple of minutes, in fact, we got a guest in studio this morning, Dundalk alum and a man who's hoping to hear his name called in the NFL draft, Shepard running back Ronnie Brown. A uh, really neat local story. He's going to join us in studio here in just a few minutes. Also coming up this morning, we'll talk more NFL draft. Kyle Stackpole, our buddy from CBS Sports, will join us. We're going to go up to New England, continued rumors, continued percolations about perhaps the Patriots trying to move on from Mac Jones. Is it for Lamar Jackson? Former Patriots tight end Jermaine Wiggins, now a talk show host up in Boston. He's going to check in with us. He's with WEEI. We'll get his thoughts on all of that. And we'll catch up with our friend Ryan Odom, uh, VCU now for Ryan Odom, former UMBC and Utah State coach. We will catch up with him later on in the program as well. So a whole lot to do on today's show. First up, a Lamar meter update. It's brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. And, yes, that was rough yesterday. Um, It was painful. And I have a lot of thoughts and I'm not going to be able to share all of them. I'm going to choose not to share some of them purposefully, I think. Um, that was that was unpleasant. And I certainly understand where the Ravens are coming from. Like, look, there's really nothing more for us to tell you at this point, And frankly, we don't want to. But, <laughs> I mean, why are you doing this? Why are you holding a press conference if... You're gonna say, "Hey, we you can't ask anything that involves the name Lamar Jackson." You remember the question that got um, their PR department to blow up was actually a good question about the draft. It was a very good question. It was, "Hey, given this, does it change the way you're looking at quarterbacks in the draft?" And that received anger and frustration. It was a bad day. And unfortunately, what it led to was the internet, because the context ends up being missing, and all you see is this like image of John Harbaugh who looks really uncomfortable up there, and it looks like a group of people that are beside themselves. And remember, I said this a week ago. Y'all can keep trying to say the Ravens have done this, you know, perfectly, and they've they've proven everybody, and you know the whole thing. You can say whatever it is that you want to say. What you can't change is that they're in hell. They're in hell. And you can say it's not their fault. You can say, look, they've offered fair contracts to Lamar Jackson. They've offered what we believe to be the, the second most amount of guaranteed money that's ever been offered to a player. Say it all you want to say. It doesn't change reality. They're in hell. Now, I think you saw some of that yesterday. It's possible that internally it's not that big of a deal to them. They're still pretty confident about how this thing's going to play out. Or, who knows, maybe they've already worked out a trade. Yeah. I said that a million times. Like, I, it would seem crazy to me. And 
I don't know what the advantage would be short of if it's the Colts, you've got the fourth pick, and you're trying to prevent teams from jumping ahead of you to get the third pick, but they would think the Colts are going to be drafting a quarterback too at number four, so I don't know in what world you think that you're going to prevent a team from jumping ahead of you if they also want a quarterback. I don't know what advantage there would be. I would think it would leave you at a disadvantage because it's every day that goes by, which is why it's hard for me to, every day that goes by, you can't then recalibrate where you are cap-wise to try to improve your football team. So I don't believe that they've got a trade worked out. I believe they're in hell. Which doesn't mean it can't still be worked out. It doesn't mean that Lamar Jackson won't still be the quarterback. It doesn't mean any of those things. But that was awful. Just an awful display. Just a, oh, it was painful to watch. I I don't want to say I felt bad for them because, in a way, you bring it on yourself. They called a press conference. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, what did you think was going to occur here? It's like when Drew said, well, you know, Lamar Jackson took away John Harbaugh's moment. What did you think that you were going to be asked about? In what world do you think that there is – I keep saying this. Every time somebody wants to ask me about anything related to the Baltimore Ravens this offseason, how am I supposed to talk about it? How? In how do I discuss it? Who's the quarterback going to be? That's that's the end of it. That's what I want to know. Nothing else. No offense. That's uh, new offense coordinator. Great. Who's the quarterback going to be? God. That's what a press conference is going to be. So I I don't know that it actually changes anything about the reality, but I can't in good faith not react to what I saw yesterday because that was painful. I mean, that was painful. Just a brutal public showing from the Baltimore Ravens. And again, I hope, I hope they know things that we don't know. And for whatever reason, they are choosing not to let them on. I don't know what advantage there is to that. I really don't. I can't come up with it. I, I was trying to think through what if the trade they have worked out is, say, with the Patriots, and it's later in the draft, and that's why they don't want anybody to know that they're you know, in on a quarterback because somehow they're hoping that one of these quarterbacks is going to fall to the middle of the first round. I, I don't think there's a chance in hell, but whatever. Maybe they know better than I do. They probably do know better than I do, but... Ugh. Almost feels like you're going to go 50-50. I don't no, think you're I'm gonna, not going that yeah. far. I'm not going that far. Okay. Ooh, that is a steep drop, though. 61. 61. 61 is where it falls to. I just don't know how anybody could watch that and feel good and feel like everything is okay, feel like there's a solid plan, feel like... I. Again, hopefully it's just, you know, a, a, a tough day, a bad showing, unfortunate, not nearly as big of a deal as it looked... I hope that's the case. But boy, boy, that was that was rough. 61% is the new Lamar meter reading because of it. Lamar meter is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. As far as did we learn anything during the course of the press conference yesterday? No. Don't overreact to the the people that are sharing out the well the Ravens say they could draft a quarterback in the first round. They're not 
They're not going to tell one. The event is literally called the Liars Luncheon. Is that what it's called? It's not actually called that, but it's been dubbed that over the years, and they've embraced it. They're not telling you anything. Stop it. Stop. You could have asked anything. You could have said yesterday, uh, you guys thinking about drafting a kicker in the first round? And you know what they would have said? Open everything. We, you know, we, we have to consider every – if there was, if there was a Sebastian Janikowski in this year's draft – uh, who is the dude that the Buccaneers took in the second round that uh, stunk? Aguayo. Aguayo. Yeah, Roberto Aguayo. There was that kind of guy in this draft. And somebody's like, well, hey, you know, you guys have a kicker, but, like, you know, can you tell me about this guy? Well, you know, we'd, we'd be open to anything. We, we can't rule anything out. Stop it. It does not – that does not actually matter that they said they could – would consider taking a quarterback in the first round. You could have said anything there, and they would have said, yeah, you guys thinking about, you know, you drafted Linderbaum, but uh, – Boy, a lot of – I don't even know. Is there a center in this year's first round? I, I haven't I thought about so. centers. If there was a guy you – know, you got drafted Linderbaum a year ago, but what do you think about you know, Malarkey or whatever the hell the guy's name is? Ah, we love that guy. That guy's a hell of a player. You, you just never know. You never know what we might do in the first that, – that is not – don't, don't react and think that it's meaningful in any way. Don't do that. The fact that they wouldn't commit – when somebody asked them about the fifth-year option on Patrick Queen, don't overreact to that. Don't overreact to anything. I do feel like None Queen of it will be gone by draft night. I think it's the most logical way for them to get more you draft picks. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. given the fact that they spent as much money as they did on Roquan Smith. I feel like the Cardinals might give up a one for him. They're, I don't know about that. What about well, what if what if it happens like Hopkins, Queen straight up? No, nah, I don't think that would I don't think that would happen. Oh. And also I think that at this point somebody would say that's bad value yeah. because the word is that Hopkins Hop- is like wants, a third rounder, yeah. you know? Like I don't I don't think that would be a good straight up. It'd be, have to be like Hopkins and something else and at this point. <laughs> but that would be that would be something if you could Come on, EDC, do it. it. <laughs> Who are you calling him EDC? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Who in the world are you? That guy? <laughs> yeah, I am that guy. How about Eric DaCosta? <laughs> I don't like that. I never. I've never cared for that. The other one. Says a syllable. Yeah. I, when somebody calls Cedric Mullins Seti, my head explodes. Somebody's like, dude, Seti made that play. I'm like, what? What? what where? What? The man's name is Cedric. If you're a teammate, because every baseball, that's a baseball thing, then I get it. But, like, his name is Cedric. You don't call Lamar uh, LJ? I don't. I call him <laughs> Lamar. That's what I call him. His mama called him Lamar. I'm going to call him Lamar type of situation. All right. There's your uh, Lamar meter update and my quick reaction. Um... I just want to take a minute here, and then we're going to grab a break and talk to uh, Ronnie Brown. We got devastating news in the uh, GCR family last night as um, Matt Pine, uh, our longtime friend, informed me that one of my favorite listeners, Justin Labor, passed away uh, last night. And Justin, I I don't even have the words to describe Justin and what he meant to me. Um, Known as at Roar from 44 on Twitter, he went by the moniker of Adley Rutschdan. Um, Justin had dealt with a lot of um, medical issues during the course of his life, and most recently, one of the first people I knew that we were sure was dealing with COVID and um, dealt with long COVID and just never really recovered from it in any way, and they could never identify at first exactly what it was. You might remember at the infancy of the outbreak, we had Justin call in to try to explain to people like what he was going through and that it was real. Um if I say I love Justin, it wouldn't go nearly far enough to explain it. Justin would reach out to me m- 
for no reason at all, multiple times during the week. Anytime there was anything Boy Meets World related going on in the news, I could count on getting a message from Justin. When we would have Adley Rutschman on this show, I would get you know, weepy messages from Justin about how happy he was to have had a conversation to listen to, given what he was going through. I told this story this morning. When the movie King of Staten Island with Pete Davidson came out in the midst of the pandemic, and they decided to release it straight to you know your computer or whatever, I joked on the show about how I was excited to finally have something to watch, but that it was unfair because we were all broke at the time. Justin bought it, sent me the code. I said, I can't accept, Justin, what are you doing, buddy? Like, how about this? We share the code, and I'll match that in a donation to, at the time, we were trying to get Mogaba a new bed. And Justin not only said, yeah, he then matched the own, his own money again to donate to Mo getting a new bed. I adored Justin. He's the nicest human that I've ever come across. And it's cruel that he had to deal with the things that he had to deal with um, in his life. And I would encourage you, Matt Pine has said a lot of wonderful things, and I love Matt. You can follow him on Twitter, at mpine underscore. But I think for Orioles Twitter, there was no more sort of guiding light than Justin was. He was the epitome of kindness and the epitome of being a good person and just love being a fan and just love this community. And I will miss Justin so terribly because I could count on uplifting messages from him two to three times a week and I'll never be able to replace that in my life and I wish we could all have his view of the world have his view of positivity despite being dealt crappy hand after crappy hand no matter how many times he was in the hospital he'd say I can't wait to be at uh, the baseball game with you I can't wait to be back in Baltimore and I can't wait. You and I are going to go to Jimmy's, and then we're going to go to a baseball game. Every time he was in the hospital, I would get that type of note from him. I um, sorry. I I I love Justin Labor, and I am devastated that he is gone. We are going to take a break, and we're going to talk to Ronnie Brown. I'm excited about that. We got a lot of really neat stories to talk about. I love you, buddy. I will miss you eternally. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always 
always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Back in here on GCR. Today's show also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball season's here. For the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives. So you can start winning today. Get five second-chance bets at PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash offers to claim that. Claim? Did I say claim? the hell is that claim that incentive and much more all right um this is a really cool local story i'm really excited to have this guy in studio he is a dundalk native he is a running back out of shepherd and he is working to hear his name called here in the nfl draft ronnie brown has joined us in studio this morning ronnie it's great to see you man it's it's a pleasure to be here man it's so great can you take me back right like you're a kid growing up in this area when did you first have this feeling of like, man, I, I might be maybe like a little bit better at this than the average person is like, I, I might not just be doing this for fun. This might be a thing that maybe I could do for a little while, Who knows, maybe even make a life out of it. So before we even moved to Dundalk, we were um in like, uh, what's it called? The place called um like Edgewood, right yeah, that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we were. What's going mom, on with Edgewood, dude? Deontay Banks coming out of yeah, Edgewood, he's, like. Yeah, he's yeah, he's Edgewood. crazy. I played him actually in high school, my senior year. At sure, sure. Um, but my mom put me into like rec and everything, so I was playing there. And my dad was in the military at the time, so it was just me and my mother. And okay. I wanted to play football and wanted to do something, you know. My dad did play football back in the day, but you know his old tapes and so far he just go off of what he said. <laughs> so I, you know, I only can believe what he, he would says. tell you about how good he was, and you were yeah. like, "Yeah, Dad, I don't know, man." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all the tapes was gone at the time. So, <laughs> but um, yeah. So we, she put me into football. I started playing like every year every season i actually started as a, a lineman i was a center it was funny wait a second how how big were you at i that? wasn't big okay at that's what that's what made it funny that's what made it funny and i told the coach i said hey let me keep running the ball like i want to run the ball that's what i want to do and uh he finally gave me the chance to run it and i remember like like it was yesterday that i got the ball 
and I ran it for like 60 yards. And after that, that's all she wrote. And I was a running back ever since. So we wound up going to Dundalk and um, living in Dundalk. I went to a small school in Sparrows Point. Yeah. My freshman, mm-hmm. sophomore, and junior year. Okay. I played lacrosse. I wrestled. And I played football. I was a three-sport athlete, all varsity as a freshman. Did you know that football was the one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was my that was my go-to. That was my favorite one. Like uh, I, I knew if I could grade it, that was an A plus for football. Lacrosse okay. was a, a B plus, and wrestling was a B minus. Okay. You know? I didn't really like wrestling. I only did it because my father wanted me to get into it, and it's a it's a great sport. I, um, I can't lie about There's that. a transition there with football. A lot of, uh, you know, Ray Lewis, of course, famously was one of the greatest the amateur wrestlers of all time as a high school. He's in the wrestling, amateur wrestling hall of fame. I don't really? know that everybody I, knows that. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, straight, straight shoot. Boots. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I played all three sports. Um, and then my se- senior year, I transferred to Dundalk. I was supposed to go to Dundalk my freshman year, but my mother uh, didn't want me to go there for for her reasons. I'm okay. Not, you know, for her okay. reasons. But, um. Went to Dundalk my senior year finally, and um, it first week I didn't start. I only played kick returner because um, they were you know I can't come in there and yeah just takes take these guys that have been there for a little yeah, while. Yeah, it's a little yeah. awkward, right? Yeah, like hey, it, we got this new dude over here. That's they're gonna they're spot. gonna hate you. Yeah, right. right. So um, they finally eased me in going into week two. Uh, in week three, I was splitting reps with the running back, and then after that, that's all she wrote. Man, so you have had to come from places that are not the most obvious places to find football stars mm-hmm. right like from sparrows point to dundalk to shepherd these are not you know this is not exactly like you know gilman to or, or saint francis to right. alabama right that we're talking about right? right what has going the hard way taught you how has it made you more hungry how has it prepared you more for the challenges of, for example, like what if you don't hear your name called and you got to grind your way through a, a rookie mini camp and, and prove something to people? How are you more or better prepared for how difficult it might be in order to get your way onto an NFL roster? I think the grind uh, is what makes people more happy with life, I should say, uh, because you you grind and you, you, you keep working for something great, you know, it's not handed to you. Um, the stuff that's handed to you, people start losing that focus and start losing, oh, I got it, and don't have to work as hard, you know. Um, but I feel like you grinding every single day, it's, it's like you you can achieve something great, you know, and it, it's, it's humbling, you know, mm-hmm. to, to know that you work 10 times, 20 times harder instead of somebody that was just handed stuff, and, you know, and then it makes you a better person overall in life after football, you know. It just makes you good for any type of job or any type of thing you're doing you want to be the best at it and grind for it you know it's not handed to you it's not like you got hurdles you got to overcome we agree wholeheartedly about it. it's something that i'm trying to teach my kids right now and i don't know they they're not really understanding that they're more like what are you talking just make something i swear to god every night they're like they spill some toothpaste on the floor and they just think that i'm gonna come in and clean it up no you have to I'm like what's you're not two, you're eight. <laughs> like, go you clean, clean up your up. toothpaste, right, man. Right. <laughs> like, what is this? I am with you on that. 
I'm. You're a father. Yes, sir. When did you become a father? Uh, 2019. Okay. So, Going, so you, wow, you've got a four-year-old now, or soon to be four-year-old. Yes, sir. So he was. Uh, I had him when I was going into Shepherd. How, how much on top of everything that you've had to work for, on top of having to go through the hard way, hmm. how much has being a dad changed your perspective and given you an additional hunger for making this work? See, you can only grind for yourself for so long, you know, until you hit that hurdle, until you hit that wall that stops you and stumps you, you know. You can only grind for yourself as much, you know. You can you can say, oh, I'm grinding for my mom, I'm grinding for my dad, but that's just little stuff that mm -hmm. adds on top of it. But like I said, you're going to hit that hurdle and hit that wall that's, that's bigger than you, and it's going to knock you down bad. It's going to make you fall out of love for the game or fall out of love for what you're doing you have a coach that you get into a disagreement with you're like this ain't worth it you know? <laughs> yeah right yeah right and see with him all that stuff doesn't matter anymore because i want him to have the life that i never had you know i want him to be able to live worry free you know obviously you got to grind for what you want and you got to hustle for what you want but it's not going to be no complications it's going to be easy stepping stones for him you know and lead him the right way that's awesome, man. That's that's awesome to hear that perspective. It, I mean, like, dude, I I know it. I feel it. I understand everything that you're seeing. You're feeling it obviously at a much younger age than I felt it. Yeah, yeah. I had about ten years to f around <laughs> until I had to feel some of that. Like, oh no, I've got to take this seriously. Yeah. I've got to be a man. Like, you are feeling it at a younger age, but it's powerful when when I hear that from someone. I know exactly what that feeling is all about. Ronnie Brown is with us, uh, a Baltimore native, getting ready for the NFL draft, running back out of Shepard. Uh, Ronnie, you put up some video game numbers Indeed. during your college career. They are insane. Why did you, in an era where everybody's looking to leave, everybody's looking to advance, everybody's looking for, you know, how do I move up? How do I get, you know, easier onto the radar somewhere in the NIL and the portal area? And I know you took advantage of some NIL opportunities in a smaller town. Yes, sir. Why did you stick around? Why did you stay at Shepherd instead of trying to – you know, see if there's some place where you could go that would maybe get your name on the radar a little bit more. Oh, man. Everything at Shepherd was everything I could ask for. You know, I couldn't go to a high D1 school that I, and you know, not get the same amount of love that I am at Shepherd. You know, they had everything that I could ever want. Uh, the fans were amazing. The community's great. You know, the the love was there, you know. Um, but also, like I said, it's, again, the grind, you know. Um we we go into the final four we're facing them Ferris states we're mm -hmm. facing them notre dames you know um uh colorado school of mines you know it's easy to pack up and leave it's easy to you know and just say i'm done and then go and transfer and go to another high d1 school with another all powerhouses you know and be able to do that stuff but i felt like me staying at shepherd was me being loyal to them because when I was coming out of high school, I did have a couple offers from D1s. I did have a couple um, offers, D2s, D3s, a lot of that, you know. But I felt like the only people that were real was Shepard, uh, the coach, uh, head coach, Ernie McCook at the time. I came in there and finished my, my visit and walked into his office, and he slapped down the offer on the table and said, here you go, son. Wow. We like everything about you. Um, we like you to – become a ram if uh this is what you want give us a call and let us know um but we really want you here hmm. every other place i went to so i'm uh i'm a name draw i went to Bowie. okay i went to um uh, morgan okay and they had me sit there all day 
just for them for me to walk into the office telling me hey we can't give you a full offer or even give you an offer at all we want you to prefer to walk on mm-hmm. and i felt like that was a slap in the face because i felt like there was like michael jordan you took that personally right yeah, right and i felt like there, there was there was plenty of dudes that you guys are giving offers to that are not as talented as me mm-hmm. or even the character wise as good as me you know what i'm saying so i felt like that was just a slap in the face i felt like that was disrespectful and they just wasn't keeping it real. They were beating around the bush, and I don't like that. I like people being realist. You know, I like people being upfront and being honest, regardless if I want to hear it or not. Sure. You know, and they wasn't doing that. So I felt like Shepard was the greatest opportunity and the best opportunity for me to showcase my ability at a high D2 and be able to perform at a high level. He is Ronnie Brown from Shepard. He is with us in studio here on GCR. Interesting that you end up at Shepard and you end up playing alongside another dude who's going through this process at the same time with you. And I think we're all pretty comfortable that like Joey's definitely going to hear his name called in the NFL draft at this yeah, he's, point. He's it's, my guy, man. What is that? You know, to, to have somebody not only I'll, I'll pull the curtain back. You have the same representation. He's your teammate. He's to be able to go through this process at the same time as someone like that. How much has that benefited both of you to be able to kind of talk to each other about it? And and when, you know, he this guy's all of a sudden, like, you know, getting all the attention in the world because he's putting up, you know, he, I think he, he lifted at like 60,000 pounds out of the combine or something like 40 that. 40 reps at the pro It's day. insane, isn't it? Like, what, what should people know about him, too? He's a great lineman. Everything that you can ever ask for. Joey Fisher, lineman. by the way, yeah. for people that aren't aware. Joey Fisher. Uh, he... He's he's a hard worker, you know. He he gets to the grind. I he, there's no days off with him. He he literally works out every single day, uh, probably twice a day. Wow. Um, his grind is absolutely unreal, you know. I call him Thanos because <laughs> we was on, we was on, he's inevitable. Yeah, we was yeah. On, we was on a we was going taking flights back and forth, and you know he has to get the end seat or get he can't sit in the middle right right? and everybody's like looking at him when we're walking and i see it because they're like please don't sit next to me please don't (laughs) sit next to me and and i it was funny because like i said he's just bigger than life you know and like i said he takes everything that he does and does it a ten thousand percent and i love that because i love people that grind i like people around me that had the same goals and the same aspirations as me because it just fuels each other you know um He's a great teammate, though. He's a really wonderful dude, you know, great person uh, to be around, to hang around, and just overall just a great dude. How much has that helped you? How much, you know, to be able to talk to him, knowing what he's going through, run things by him, like, hey, I I got asked this question. Did you get asked that question? Like, how did you, like, how much has that helped you in this process? A lot, a lot, because, like I said, we're, we're, we're doing the same thing, but we have different, like, slightly different paths going, yeah. going in make trying to make it you know so certain things you know he might get a. do you uh, find yourself saying hey like hey bro why are you meeting with the chargers could you put a word in like hey <laughs> see with him i never have to worry about me getting my name brought up because he, there's plenty he of goes times, out of his way there's plenty of times where he will stop mid-interview wow. and talk about me that's you awesome know? um and it's crazy because i i appreciate that so much for him and i forever loyal to him you know what i'm saying with that aspect of it but yeah, he'll he he will always bring me up if the time is right, you know. But again, the same way how we're talking right now, I'll bring him up and we could talk about him all That's damn awesome. day. That's awesome, man. That's a really cool relationship, dude. That's really neat. Um, you, you everybody's trying to make a name for themselves, yeah. right? You literally have the name 
of another running back. Yeah, crazy. It, has there been like any difficult? Like, is it? Do you find yourself being compared or living in the shadows? Like, is it? Is it weird at all when somebody's like, "Hey, there's this running back, Ronnie Brown," and they're like, "Yeah, right, the guy that like, he's been out of the league for a decade." Yeah. Like, what? What are you talking about? There's this running back, Ronnie Brown. That guy's been gone forever. <laughs> yeah, they are uh, not nah, actually. Maybe one time in my life that somebody said, "Was I related to him?" Okay, was I was his. Uh, was I his son? But other than that, no, nah, it's actually crazy because they just say uh, Ronnie Brown like the other running back from the Miami <laughs> right. Dolphins, you know, and I'll be like, yeah, that's that's it. The but, same. That's the exact same. Yeah, yeah. same. And, and, except better is yeah. what. Yeah, yeah, if you want to say that, yeah. <laughs> right. Please. You ever run you, the Wildcat? Yeah. Hope done. you're not listening, but yes, I'm way better. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta say that, man. Everybody got mad at the, once upon a time I did a show with Joe Flacco. Mm. And it was when his agent had said, I think he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. And I ran it by him and he was like, I don't think I'm top five. I think I'm the best quarterback. And people lost their minds. And I was like, what is he supposed to say? Right. That he thinks he stinks? Right, like, right. What yeah. are you supposed to Of course you're supposed to say I'm better than the other Ronnie Brown. You have right. to say that because you got to believe it in order to do it. You got to have that confidence. That's the way it goes. Um, you know, as I look over some scouting reports, a lot of people say the same thing. You know, Ronnie's a nice running back, but... He's going to have to make his way through via special teams. That's going to have to be his path. Mm-hmm. Knowing how hard you've had to grind in order to get there, can I assume you welcome that? And you say, hell yeah, give me a shot at, at proving yeah. my way through special any, teams. Any, any chance that I can get my foot in the door to be able to prove myself is going to be fine with me. You know, if, it, if it's going on special teams, uh, being a third down back, going to slot, going to wide out, wherever a team or whatever team needs me to play any type of position, I'll play that position. Even if it's the, if they think offense is not it for me mm-hmm. anymore and tells me, hey, I want you to go play defense, I'll go play defense. It's going to be a learning curve, um, but I would love that because, again, that's more stuff for me yep. to learn and more stuff for me to take pride in every day and learning. I'm so not surprised, not surprised at all that that's your attitude about all of this. Like, dude, give me anything. I just want that shot. Um, Ronnie, I, I, you know, I, I talk about, you know, the questions that you get asked. Has there been one in this process? Has there been one that sort of stopped you in your tracks? Like, yo, what did you just ask me? Have you had one of those yet? No, I don't think any question uh, was stumped me uh, with anybody that they asked me. You know, okay. I felt like I was able to tell them any answer, any question that they would like to hear. All right, are you uh are you more of a dog or a cat? It depends. I'm more of a cat person. Okay. But just because of the love and the affection they give you, you know what I'm saying? Okay. And it's n- and I don't get no male cats. It's all female cats. Really? Yeah. Tell me about that. So I have actually two cats. My mother has one and then my uh my BM has one too. Okay. So um she cuz I I was going and shepherd and traveling and stuff like that, sure. so I couldn't keep them. And you know, did she stay? And she was staying back here with yeah, your son. Yeah, yes, yeah, sir. And what's funny now is that my cat that I just recently got, maybe I'm gonna say about a year ago, year and a half ago, she, she literally sleeps with my son every night. So I can't take the cat back now because that's his cat. That's correct. Yeah. That's there is no doubt about <laughs> yeah, that. That's right? His cat, and then my sister took care of my other one that i've been had since i've been here like about four years five years you know okay so that that's the queen you know what I'm okay saying? But, uh, all right so she takes care of her for me 
but uh, I'm I'm a dog person too. Like I said, it, it, and it depends if if I get like a nice little small little dog, it's got to be a female dog. If it's a big like you know a big big dog and burly, it's got to be a male. Okay, you know that's just how it has okay. to be. Okay, all just right. For protection, you know, even though a girl will protect me, you know, but. It's just that's just my life. Okay, with it. all right. I'm not gonna argue yeah. with you, bro. I'm not gonna argue. At all. We have one dog at home, and it's and she is. I I love her to death, but I would prefer that she slept with the boys yeah. a little bit more because I I don't know the net the net the, the last time that I was actually able to physically touch my wife in bed because my dog <laughs> is right there spooning with me the entire. I'm like, all right, I love you. I love. That's you. how you really love you. There's no doubt about it. Um, Ronnie, you, you know you you you're from here. Did you grow up rooting for the Ravens? Yes, of course. I was a Ravens fan. So uh, Brandon Copeland, who played in the league for forever, was the Patriots, the Lions, mm-hmm. a bunch of different teams. Um, last last summer, I was talking to Brandon, and he said, I so desperately – he actually started his first ever try. He was undrafted. He was out of pen. You know, he had to work his way. He had to grind to get his opportunities. And his first training camp was with the Ravens, but he never got to play for the Ravens. And mm-hmm. he told me last summer, he said, I so desperately want to play for the Ravens before my career is over. And he had moved down to, to Florida at this point. He's like, I will drive home to try out. Like, before it's over, I want to put on the jersey. Mm-hmm. I want to be a Raven one mm-hmm. time. And he got that opportunity last season. He got signed to the practice squad. He got elevated. And, yeah. You know, he got that chance. What would it mean to you? I know you don't care. Like, I know it would mean the same way for the Broncos at this point to be the team. Like, I get yeah. that you just want a chance. Right. But if it were to be the Ravens, oh, could it, you describe that? Oh, it would it'd be amazing, you know, be able to put on for the city and be able to stay in where I was, you know, born and raised from, you know, and be able to put on and, and, and put on a show for everybody around here to show kids even – people around here that even though that my past different and I'm going to the NFL, you could still strive for something great. You know, you could still make something out of yourself from Baltimore, you know, cause everybody has bad narratives of Baltimore, you know, it's just how it is. But I feel like me being there and being on a team or getting that shot at least will give a lot of kids hope, you know, instead of saying, Hey, I don't got to do this. Awesome. I can go and play football. I can play basketball. What a story. Can, or I can do whatever. Yep. You know, it'd be an amazing story. It'd be an incredible story for it to work out that way. I, here's the awkward part is that it, I know you would also be very excited if it was the Steelers, because, again, you need whatever chance that you can get in order to prove yourself. It would be a little bit uncomfortable for the rest of us if it yeah. were to work out. Oh, yeah. That. It's like, crazy because uh, uh, Joey is a big Ravens fan, but has a big, he's from Hagerstown, yeah, right? But has yeah. a big interest with the Steelers. I don't I don't like that so much. I don't love the yeah. sounds of that <laughs> at all. I don't love it. Uh, you took your uh, son to see uh, Mario Brothers this week? I did. So I'm inevitably going to have to take my kids on Saturday. Yeah. The question, uh, obviously, I'm I'm saying that I'd be going for them, but we all know we're not really going, going for, for them. them. <laughs> we're really going for us. Yeah. Am I, I they're going to enjoy it because they enjoy We I took them to see the stupid Buzz Lightyear movie, which was awful, yeah. and they were having the time of their life. Yeah. Like they, they're, I know they're going to enjoy it, Am I going to enjoy? You will one hundred percent enjoy the movie. Right. I think right. I think it was a it was a great movie. Uh, if you haven't watched it, please go watch it. I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, take your kids, even take your girlfriend if you like. Okay, all right. It, you say so. Griffin's your age. Griffin's yeah. like twenty three, right? Like he could he could go on a date 
see Mario Brothers. Yeah, this is a good date movie. It, and we get, mean, get a second date out of it? Yes, 100%. Okay. All right. 100%. All right. Raving reviews. For All right, Super Mario. we got we to work on <laughs> right. that. We got to work on that and see how it goes. Uh, Ronnie, social media, where can folks around here be following you as you go through this journey and as you try to carve your way into the NFL? Um, they can follow me on my Instagram, underscore dot Ronnie B, or they can uh, follow me on my Twitter is uh, Ronnie B uh, at underscore 30, my fault, and then you know, at the at in the beginning. Yeah, I, I get it. I yeah, get it. my fault. No, you're good, dude. Um, Ronnie, it's it's great to meet you, man. It's it's great to get to know you. It's it was easy, a pleasure being on here. Easy for me to say I'm going to be rooting for you, right? Like yes, Again, sir. obviously, unless, of course, it's you know black and yellow, <laughs> in which case... You, you, you know, don't take get, anything. Don't take anything personally. I'll be happy for you. You're not getting a jersey. I, I don't. I won't <laughs> want it, Ronnie. <laughs> you can, what would I do with that? You can, you can wear it behind closed doors. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will be happy for you. If it, I understand that, I will. I will be very happy for you if it works out that way. I will just hope that you never win a game. That's all. No offense. <laughs> I hope that you put up incredible numbers and never win a football hey, game. If they put me on the field. I know. I'm winning I know. games, man. Winning <laughs> That's games. the way it goes. Ronnie, uh, congratulations on everything you've accomplished so far. I appreciate it. I can't it. wait to see what's next for you, man, as you go on. Thank and you. Um, and thank you for coming in here and hanging out. Like with I said, it was morning. a pleasure, and thank you for having me on here, man. That's Ronnie Brown, uh, Dundalk guy and out of Shepard, getting ready for the NFL draft. Great to have him in studio. Hey, uh, today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, the Toyota Tacoma. Comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, Chris Rose, uh, John Boy, NFL Network, and BattleBots. We're going to talk to him. I want to talk about Grayson Rodriguez because what a day that was yesterday. We'll do that next. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online. And you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR. Thanks again to Ronnie Brown for coming in. What a great dude. He is uh, easy to root for that guy as he uh, continues in this process and hopefully is um, getting that opportunity that he deserves to go uh, prove what it is that he's capable of doing. Heck of a football player. And really, if you saw his numbers last season, my God, man, he dominated that level. So uh, deserves that opportunity. Appreciate him coming in with us this morning. It is, uh, it's already been a busy day today, a lot going on. Today's show is also brought to you, well, actually, just Stan the Fan has had a weird week, right? So he had his power go out at his house, wasn't able to do a normal show on Monday. Today, of course, was supposed to be opening day. Let me take a second, thank the Baltimore Orioles for getting it out of the way. As disappointing as it was for me to have to rearrange everything, and like, I'm going downtown anyway tonight for an event, so... I was kind of looking forward to doing the double dip today. Like, it would have been great. Make one trip downtown, go to the stadium, go to the arena afterwards. Would have been awesome. But what would have sucked was us all getting up this morning, going and trying to do the thing, and at 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock, all of a sudden, the skies open up, and they cancel the game, and now we got to try to do it all over again. At least they gave us, and I said this on yesterday's show, I appreciate them being proactive and making the decision ahead of time. I know it's a small thing, but it goes a long way to allow people to get a little bit more warning. Hey, try to figure things out. Do whatever you got to do. We're playing the baseball game on Friday. So means I got to make two trips, but that's all right. I will enjoy being that. I got to pay for parking twice, which is not quite as ideal. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows. Uh, Take the light rail. Uh... Come on, this is, a pro, this is not a pro light At rail. At my show. age, I don't need to take the light rail anymore. The thing about that is, the thing about maybe tonight I would do that. Maybe, mm. like, may, eh. the problem. I just don't really. I like let's. Besides my opinions about the public transportation system in the area, I just don't love being shoved in, and on opening day. Uh. Uh, yeah, I am a large advocate for public transportation. I, oh I yeah. think it's there should better be more government investation in it. But Baltimore's public transportation mm. system, cheeks, mm-mm. cheeks, and I'm already coming from DC where it's mm-mm as well. It's, but it, you could say that it's, it's drastically better than better, it is in yeah, Baltimore. Better. Drastically better. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe tonight because I don't think there'll be as many people going to this event that I'm going to. So I don't. I wouldn't feel quite as 
shoved in together, but yeah, I don't think tomorrow that would be something that I would do. I think I would pass on the light rail tomorrow. Tomorrow, I think I will just suck it up and pay $40 or whatever it is to park. And you always get that one person every time you get on the light rail where you get off and you're like, I didn't even think a human was humanely possible. Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't Uh, mind, like, the times that I have taken the light rail to, like, a baseball game, I kind of, I kind of don't mind it when I get, like, the college drunks that are coming out of the game with me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I've been like, I've I've been you. I kind of love you. Like, I want to look out for you. There, I was on there one time, I guess two summers ago maybe, there were little kids on the light rail. I say little kids. They were like, I don't know, early high school age. Okay, well, that's not and little they were kids. Like drinking, you're not, and they were like drinking. Okay, but you're not that obvious. drastic. You say that. And like, I, was like, I was like, you're less than a decade removed from they that. They looked like borderline middle schoolers. <laughs> I wasn't, and I was like, I was like, should I step in here? I mean, these, these kids no, are. <laughs> no, you should not. I mean, if they were doing something. They were da- very, very like if young. They, if there was a, a, someone was a danger, then you should step in. But if it was just you stepping in to like cast judgment, no. <laughs> No, that is no. not your role. Well, just, not I don't your know, place. just, just uh, like The point situation. of all of this is that Stan had not planned on doing a show today because of opening day and didn't want to move it the last night because of Passover. So, scramble, Stan and Luke are going to get together today at uh, 3 o'clock for a special show to talk about the Orioles' start of the season and Grayson Rodriguez and kind of preview the home opener. So today, 3 o'clock, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, PressBoxOnline.com slash video for Stan the Fan, Charles, and Luke Jackson talking Orioles today at 3. We had to do this a little bit earlier on because of his very busy schedule, but an opportunity to spend a few minutes with the great Chris Rose right here on GCR. Well, tonight and every Thursday night on Discovery, you see our next guest. He is, of course, the host of BattleBots. You also see him on NFL Network, John Boy Media. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the program the great Chris Rose, who's with us now here on GCR. Chris, it's Glenn in Baltimore. Great to catch up, as always. Thank you for taking the time. Absolutely, Glenn. How you doing? I'm great, man. Um, I Before we get in, I have so much I want to cover with you, but if we, if anyone has missed this season of BattleBots, What's been going on? What do they need to know? How's it different? So I, I would say the biggest thing, we're at the point of the regular season tonight at 8 o'clock um, Baltimore time, where think of it as the end of the college basketball season. Um, each team gets four fights in the regular season, and for the robots you're going to see fight tonight, this is one last chance to impress the selection committee. Yes, we do have a selection committee. Not all records during a four-game regular season are the same. So you could have a two-and-two robot, and you think that it's way better and has a better shot of making the tournament than a one-and-three robot. That's not necessarily the case. Um, Three-and-one robots are not a lot to make it. Uh, So, you know, there's, there's teams that are kind of fighting for their playoff lives tonight. So that's kind of what you'll see. By the way, if you have never seen BattleBots, I'll give you a 30-second primer. It's a pair of 250-pound robots <laughs> that are fighting to the death or at least to get to the judge's scorecard in a three-minute span. Uh, it is amazing the engineering, the ingenuity that these people have put into these robots. I knew virtually nothing about it when I joined it during the relaunch in 2015. It's now the most fun I have in broadcasting is actually calling the season of BattleBots. Awesome. It's something that 
the entire family can watch because there's a lot of programming out there that either parents want to just throw themselves against the wall because they can't watch kids' programming or you know, don't want your kids anywhere near the programming mom and dad want to watch at the end of the night. This is perfect for everybody, so just join us tonight. Race for the giant nut is into full gear. And you're saying there might be like a Florida Atlantic looming amongst the robots that are still hanging around. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, All absolutely. Right. Now, there's also some San Diego State robots out there, which are great at defense but can't yeah, shoot. They can't, they can't score for 10 minutes in a national championship yeah. game, which is a tough thing to do. Uh, again, BattleBots tonight, every Thursday night on Discovery at 8 o'clock. Chris Rose is with us. Chris, we're trying to figure out if there's like a Grayson Rodriguez uh, robot that's out there. Uh, as you would imagine, we're losing our minds in Baltimore after yesterday. I know the Orioles lost, but, like, my God – for five innings after that shaky first, Grayson Rodriguez looked like a freaking rock star, and we're ready to go ahead and start printing World Series tickets. Um, I took my shots at the Orioles in the offseason because I felt like the offense was good enough to compete yeah. with the big boys, and I was like, I was begging them. I was like, please go spend some money and yeah. go get a Carlos Rodon so yeah. that when Grayson Rodriguez does come up, whether he breaks camp with you or he's there a little bit later in the season, that they're not all throwing the savior moniker on the kid. But he's going to be special. He just—he seems like he's got it. Physically, he's imposing. I loved the scene with his dad and his family yesterday. I loved every second of it. I'm excited for him. I'm excited for Orioles fans. I just wish they had done more to help him in the offseason. It is whatever it is. Um, I think he re- he has a chance to be a real special talent. Now, have I watched every single of his minor league starts? No. Have I flipped through the highlights and liked what I've seen? Absolutely. Do I plan on having him on the Chris Rose rotation in the near future? <laughs> you bet your butt I do. Because I just think he's a fascinating story. And um, he's got the kind of mojo and swag attached to him that that feels like a top of the rotation dude uh he's awesome he's all you're gonna love him when you talk to him he's a he is a great dude he's also um he'll talk uh he'll talk some ass about his basketball abilities as well um he is he loves doing that chris rose is with us BattleBots tonight eight o'clock on discovery chris i understand everything you're saying for me right now it's also by the way i would just really like for the orioles to spend on their guys right like i i wanted carlos rodon as much as everybody else but the way this city would go nuts, they had to push it back to tomorrow for the opener against the Yankees. But if tomorrow, right before the game, they announced, like, hey, by the way, we did what the Braves do. We did what the Diamondbacks have done. Like, we, we gave 10 years and Boku money to Adley Rutschman. This place would lose their effing yeah. minds. Over, there is nothing yeah. they could do that would compare um, to that. We were actually talking about that recently. Like, what's to prevent him? And... I think he would scoop it up in a second because you know, he's not 21 or two. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a couple years older now. And as a catcher that can hit, you probably want to hop on that in the near future. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that it's a smart move. Listen, if my little tiny market Cleveland Guardians yeah. can sign Jose Ramirez and Andres Jimenez mm-hmm. to a pair of nine-figure deals, I think that the Baltimore Orioles could find it somewhere in the couch cushions to do it. Dude, now, I get it. 
people are screaming right now. Our ownership sucks. And I will fully agree with that. It is an embarrassment what has happened with the ownership recently. Uh, but if they want to start finding some goodwill with that team, the Angelos family, and whoever's making those freaking decisions, I, I'm with you a thousand percent. What a great gift that would be, not only to Adley Rutschman, not a gift for him because he's earned it, but to the Baltimore, the good fans of Baltimore that have been wading through some really difficult decades there in baseball space. Brother, it would be, I can't even, I, I, like, there would be people here with tears in their eyes if they made that announcement tomorrow. Hey, um, yeah. I, since the last time you and I talked, I have introduced uh, here in studio a silly, this is where we've gotten to in Baltimore Sports Radio. I have a uh, really campy-looking meter behind me. We call it the Lamara meter, and I move it every day on the <laughs> percentage chance that I think Lamar Jackson is going to be the week one quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, today the number yeah. was down a little bit based on their kind of dreadful press conference yesterday. If you were setting yeah. a meter on Lamar's chances of being the week week one quarterback, where would you have the number right now? So what is the sliding scale? Is it a one to ten? It's what a, it? a, a percentage. It's a percentage number. Oh, it's a percentage. Okay. So I, I will raise my hand and say I think I was wrong at the end of the season. I was on with probably – I was on a Baltimore radio station. wasn't with you at the end of the season, and somebody said, what are the chances of Lamar's around? And obviously, things were we thought were in a much better place than they are presently. And I was like, are you guys joking? There's no way they let him out of the building. Did you watch the offense the last month and a half without him? And I could not have been more wrong because I, I – now I really – I think he might be gone by the draft. Wow. I really do. Wow. And I, I can't believe that. But if you're one of these teams, like if you're the Colts, and you have been on this veteran quarterback merry-go-round that has been spinning off of its axis the last seven years because you haven't found Andrew Luck's replacement, why in the world wouldn't you give it a shot? You know, people say, you know, with Lamar, well, he's got a one-in-three playoff record. Well, he hasn't finished the last two regular seasons. Those are both factually accurate. I get it. But there's no guarantee that if you sit at number four, that Anthony Richardson yep. or Will Levis mm-hmm. is going to be the answer. Mm-hmm. So why don't you take a guy who you at least know can win you a lot of games, and if you put the right team around him, and you're in a division where, quite honestly, Tennessee, I don't know what the heck's going on there. Houston's going to take a while, and it looks like Jacksonville is the crown jewel of the division. Why wouldn't you take a shot? Bro, my God, I, I, I don't understand that at all. Like, it makes no sense to me, and it is sad to be feeling what, what could be coming in Baltimore because, you know, ask a Jets fan what it's, what it's like to be in the market for a quarterback. Chris, I know you got a million more of these to no, do. I, I, I really appreciate yeah. it. I, we, we, you and I need to make sure we get, make a long-form one of these sometime soon because I love talking yeah. to you, bro. Um, BattleBots tonight, every Thursday night, 8 o'clock on Discovery, at Chris Rose, of course, John Boy as well. Dude, thank you, as always, take the time for us this morning. And I continue to love every piece of content that you put out there, man. Thanks for hopping on with us. Glenn, it's my pleasure. Yeah, let's do a longer one of these because we got a lot to dive into. No doubt, man. Uh, that's Chris Rose with us here on GCR. He's great. I love Chris, and obviously 
you know, Chris does so many great things within the media world, but um, we want to thank the people at BattleBots arranged that for us this morning, so we want to make sure we're giving them some love. 8 o'clock tonight on uh, Discovery. I I hear what he's saying. Like, I think Lamar can be traded before the draft. I'll keep saying the same thing. To who? And he brings up the Colts. And Look, the Colts to me have always been the most logical because it's the one team that you can make a deal with and you could get a quarterback back because you would have the fourth pick. But, again, do you love Will Levis? Do you love Anthony Richardson? Do you believe that you've got a rock star? You better. You better. Because if you're moving on from Lamar Jackson, you must be getting a quarterback out of it. Must. And I, I don't know. It was it was ugh, it was just sickening yesterday. It was just gross. You know what else is sickening? That I can't find the freaking Masters app. This is the first time in my life I've ever wanted to watch the Masters because we got a we got a vig on it now, right? I, like I'm in the same spot. What the hell's going on here? And and you know who's leading the Masters? Adrian Moronk. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> but I got him on my team. So did uh, Aaron Oster in our uh, second, because we did fill our second pool. Thanks to those of you that got in for a second pool as we raised another 100 bucks for FCA Golf for, uh, with Drew Forrester. Actually raised 110 because someone got in with an extra 10 bucks. They said just give it to the charity. Um, what? What are you about to tell me? Charles, I just looked him up. Uh, Adrian Moronk is he I no longer? He doesn't look like a golfer. No, no he doesn't. I, looks like he should be holding a racket. Honestly, all right. Well, I'd be down for that. Yeah. But here's the deal: he's leading the Masters right now, and if he wins the Masters, I get a hundred bucks. Oh, there's a picture of him standing next to Tiger. He is a whole foot taller than Tiger Woods. Well, that's he's a, so he's a unit, is what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Well, now I like this even better. I'm. Well, I want the. I get a hundred bucks out of this. Daddy gets a cup, couple, couple of cup of noodles out of this whole thing. If Adrian Moronk wins the Masters. So for the first time in my life, because as you guys know, I don't care about golf. I'll never care about golf. I'm sorry. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried desperately. It's not for me. I'm not saying it stinks. I'm not saying I, you guys enjoy it. I love that. God bless you. There are things that I'm into that you're not into. You guys don't care about the Estoral Open this week in tennis, and I do. It's the way it goes. All good. We all have our things. But this is the first time because I got a little – a little bit at stake here, and I can't find on this Roku any way to download the Masters app. Charles, you're in charge of that now. Charles in charge. How about that? See if you can find some way for us to watch the Masters because it's not on TV until 3 o'clock because that makes sense. All right, I've gotten that off my chest. It's what it is. Hour number one of today's show is in the books. Also brought to you by A.J. Michaels. My God, is it ever AC season. Oh, Expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. Every week we talk NFL draft here on GCR, and I love an excuse to bring back an old friend, uh, a man who proved that you can be here with us at PressBox and still go on to accomplish great things. He is NFL draft editor for CBS Sports. He's our buddy Kyle Stackpole, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Kyle, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up, my friend. Thank you for taking the time for us. Of course, yeah. Great to be on with you. Uh, always appreciate the kind words. Hey, man, I am. Uh, I'm so happy for you as you continue to kill it. Um, I, let me. Since you and I have talked last, I feel like there has been no clarity through this process exactly about how this is all going to play out with these wide receivers. Have you gotten any sense of 
outside of maybe everybody going a lot, it seems like maybe there's been some coalescing around Jackson Smith and Jigba as the top guy in the group. But even that, I don't know that I feel defined about. Have you gotten any comfortable definition about, you know, how many of these guys are definitely first round guys? Who might definitely be there when we get to 22? Like, do you feel anything more about the wide receivers since the last time you and I talked? Yeah, so it, like, not really would be the quick answer. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you're right in that Jackson Smith and Jigba did what he did at the combine with his uh, his three-cone drill and his shuttle run was were just, like, very elite, even though he didn't run the 40. And then he he looked really good at the pro day. So people, I think, got a little overexcited about him and were starting to call him, like, the consensus number one receiver. I don't think that's the case. I think you have between him, Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, I think would, it might be in that mix. And then you have Jordan Addison, who people said, oh, he ran, a, I think it was a 4.49.40 at the combine. People thought he was going to run in the 4.3s. What's going on? Is he going to fall back a little bit? But I think it's really those four guys are going to be those first-round targets. And I think any one of them could end up with Baltimore at 22. I think they could all make it there. Okay. I also think there could be two gone by the time that that they pick. I mean, I, I think you, you see it. I mean, last year you had the Saints trading up for Olave. You had the Lions trading up for Jameson Williams. So there's there's probably there's always things that happen and, and a receiver and one team could fall in love with a receiver and the I don't know I don't know if it's gonna be the top ten. I mean maybe it's the Bears with Jackson Smith and Jigba just because, you know, you have the familiarity with Justin Fields as well. But I don't there's not a clear cut number one and someone who's definitely gonna go in the top ten or twelve in the draft. So really the Ravens should be looking at all these guys saying there's the potential that we wind up at 22, and, and our guy could still be there. It, so let me pose it to you this way, Kyle. If you know Rashad Bateman's healthy, if he comes back this season and can be the guy that, frankly, in, in moments, we've already seen him be at the NFL level. Like when, when he and Lamar Jackson were on the field together at the beginning of last season, it's been forgotten throughout the league. The Lamar Jackson was the leading MVP candidate at the moment. Like he was – they were killing it when he had just one receiver because Rashad Bateman looked the part when he was healthy a year ago. If Rashad Bateman's back, I would think that a stretch receiver, someone with a bit more speed, would be a more logical fit for the Ravens. So when I saw in your most recent mock draft that you had Zay Flowers at 22, I don't know. I, I'm kind of coming around as that being – with no disrespect to Quentin Johnston, who I know they're bringing in for a visit. I, I don't know. That one kind of makes the most sense to me of that group of receivers that we think highly of as far as a fit is concerned in Baltimore. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think for the, the exact same reason. And I feel like Flowers has been getting a lot more uh, publicity as the draft process has gone on. And I think, yeah, I think he just fits better in that offense, being able to have that breakaway speed comparable to, you know, Marquise Brown. And people knock him because his size is only 5'9", but you heard the the Ravens front office and uh, John Harbaugh talk about the receivers either yesterday or the day before. Uh, and they were saying, you know, he plays, he plays a lot bigger than his size. He's strong. He can play inside out. 
He also was super productive at Boston College playing with not great quarterback play, whereas the other top receivers were playing with NFL draftable quarterbacks and at USC, obviously Caleb Williams. So I think, yes, I, I, don't, I don't think you can go wrong if you, if you have Quentin Johnson there, but Zay Flowers just feels like someone who, despite his lack of size, he's going to make plays when he's called upon, and he would be someone who would fit really well in that offense with Rashad Bateman and uh, Mark Andrews. It's so funny when you bring that up, man, because like I know they're different types of players, but what you just described, it reminds me that once upon a time, somebody allowed Stefan Diggs to fall to the fifth round despite the fact that a linebacker was his quarterback. My God! Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes we have to look at what it is that you're working with, and your point is well taken. Is there another of the group that you would say, yeah, I had Flowers going there, but I actually think this would also be a good fit for the Ravens? And maybe I'll even include there, most of us expect they're not going to make just five picks during the course of this draft, so one of the options would certainly be trading back to try to acquire picks. So if I expand it past 22 and say it could be anywhere from 22 to, say, like 40 when they make their first pick, is there another player that you would look at and say, yeah, I like Flowers, but this might also be a pretty good fit for them, you know, stylistically at receiver? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Johnston as well, um, just because, you know, he can be downfield. He can be an explosive uh, explosive playmaker. But from going to that, like, 40 range, Jalen High is another guy. Mm-hmm. He didn't run as fast as, people thought he was going to run. So there was a little disappointment at the combine, but he's someone else who's just an absolute burner and he can just get past, you know, he gets past the secondary and throw it up to him for a 50 yard touchdown. So he would be someone who he, I think he got a lot of first round buzz because they thought he was going to run really fast, like four threes, maybe four two. And that just didn't happen. And so now he's fallen because you had a month ago, he was in a lot of people's first rounds. And now, you're not seeing him in a lot of people's first rounds at all. So, but I still think he's he's a good player, um, and he had an incredible year at Tennessee. So you wonder, is his best football ahead of him coming off a breakout year, or you wonder, hey, why why wasn't he doing that before at Tennessee? Why didn't he have a couple of years of uh, of really high production? But I just think his skill set, being able to stretch the field, and giving them opposing defenses, they have to account for this guy can run by you and. Lamar can just air it out to him. So I think you look at that early mid second round, if they trade back, I mean, DeCosta said, I mean, you, you know, said he wanted to trade back and there's where they are. I think they're in a decent position that if they, if their top guys are gone, they're in a position that they could trade back and still get someone who they like. Uh, And I also think they could end up trading a Patrick queen to try to acquire another pick at some point. Like, I think there's a few things they could end up doing, but they definitely know the Ravens are going to want more than five draft picks. Kyle Stackpole with us here on GCR. Kyle, every time over the years that I would do more intense draft coverage and I would bring up a, a local prospect, someone from this area, I would have someone scream back at me, Homer, and I get it. Like I, I understand. I, you know, people know me. I am a, a fan. I, you know, I, I do this sort of weird line where I work in media, but I don't hide the fact that I grew up here and I root for these teams and all of those things. But the Deontay Banks thing is so fascinating to me because, I, I like, I almost don't want to talk about him as a Raven because, it, like, I'm warning myself, dude, you're just a homer. I, it feels like more and more there is a great acceptance of no this would be a super logical pick for the Ravens to make 
and he is a legitimate high-level potential NFL cornerback to play on the outside, whereas the Ravens have not brought Marcus Peters back to this point. Yeah, no, I think you're completely right. And just based on the wide receiver or the cornerback rankings, you have Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon. They're basically one-two. They're they're going to be gone. Joey Porter's probably going to be gone. So then you're looking at cornerback-wise, Deontay Banks, Cam Smith, Manuel Forbes, and I think Banks would be the best fit just based on everything he brings to the table. He's got good length. He's crushed the combine, as Maryland athletes tend to do, yeah, uh, weirdly enough. Um, he's physical. He's a, he's a solid tackler. I think he only missed one tackle in, in 2022. Um, he, the one thing is lack of ball production, you know, two interceptions yeah. on 28 games. But he has everything that Baltimore is looking for. So while in the past <laughs> – People could call you a homer for that. It just based on a variety of different factors, the Ravens' needs, where they're drafting, the who's going to be available. Banks makes a ton of sense if cornerback is the way they want to go uh, at twenty-two, or if they trade back a, a couple picks later. Dude, I, I, I mean, like, I can't. It's, it's tough for me because I just got to keep saying, like, stop, settle down, settle down. You're getting worked up, but I hear everything you're saying. Speaking of which, are are somehow. Is there any chance Rakim Jarrett's getting overlooked again? Like, is there any chance the teams are making the same mistake that they made with Stefan Diggs with Rakim Jarrett? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't remember what exactly the knocks were on Diggs. Um, I would, I, I, I don't think it could be the same mistake because I don't think Jarrett's going to go on to become this you know, perennial pro bowler. Yeah. Um, but there, there could be, there could be some of that stuff because he is someone who has a lot of potential. He has all the physical tools that you want and he showed flashes, especially early in his Maryland career, what he was capable of, but he was inconsistent. So I, th- I think there is something to be said that someone's going to draft him on day three and he could outperform his expectation based on that draft position. But I don't think you can call anything, you know, another, you know, is he the next Stefan Diggs? But I definitely think he has the potential to surprise people based on his potential more than what he showed the entirety of his career. Okay. Now. Okay. I, 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 that makes sense to me. Um, and then give me, you know, look, we are all just centering around wide receivers and cornerbacks in Baltimore. Like, it just seems like it's got to be one of those things. Obviously, the quarterback thing continues to be a part of the conversation. And, you know, if something were to happen, we'll have that conversation then. But is there another player that you look at and say, if that guy slips to 22, this is going to be the same way every year, every analyst praises, oh, my God, you let so-and-so fall to the Baltimore Ravens. I can't believe you did that. Is there a player at another position that you could see that just happens to stick around and while maybe it's not their biggest need, you say they end up getting a special player because this guy is there at 22. Yeah, I think the number one guy, and I just, I mean, I don't think this is going to happen, but would have to be Jalen Carter. If teams are just completely, you know, scared away with his coming in overweight at the, his pro day and not looking out of shape, not really being able to finish his workout and him and his, his legal troubles and everything that happened there, even though there, there has been a resolution. So if, if he were to somehow drop, I would even say, you know, 
it's it's worth you know moving up for someone like that. He he could be the he might be the most talented defensive prospect in this class. Actually, I think I think he is. Um, but I just don't see him him and his agent. They're like we're not meeting with teams outside the top ten, which I think makes a lot of sense because I think if he gets to the Eagles, the Eagles are going to take him at ten. Yeah, I get that. Um, so he, he he would be the number one guy in terms of a different position. I don't think there's like someone you can't pass up, but I think Bijan Robinson could be another position um, that they could, the Ravens could make that pick. Yeah, he could be the city awesome would burn. With Lamar Jackson. Kyle, the city would burn, and... <laughs> burn if that was the case. Oh, what well, it would be something where they would. Oh, we like people would look back and say, "Oh, it's an undervalued position." But why would you let him fall past the top twenty? Yeah. He's he's a top ten talent. He's the best running back prospect since Saquon Barkley. Uh, and then you put him in that offense with Lamar Jackson. So, but I think Jalen Jalen Carter is the number one guy in terms of cornerbacks. If Gonzalez or Witherspoon are available, they have to take them. Um, Joey Porter Jr. Maybe not as much, but I still think he would be a great fit. But other than that, I, I think it's really Carter and then just looking at these guys who are going to be top 10, 15. I don't think there's someone where you have to take them or you know they're going to regret it down the road. He is Kyle Stackpole. Kyle F. Stackpole on Twitter is how you follow him. CBSSports.com to see his stuff. What can we plug for you guys, man? Yeah, so I think the number one thing, we have a, a new podcast. It came out in November, but we've been really ramping it up. It's called uh, With the First Pick. Yep. It's with our lead draft analyst, Ryan Wilson, and former Vikings general manager, Rick Spielman. So it's a lot of fun. They're doing they're doing uh, episodes three times a week now. They're doing a mock draft every week. And just having that insight from Rick in terms of scouting and looking at prospects and what he thinks on guys and then also his personal stories with drafting Justin Jefferson, Harrison Smith, Adrian Peterson. Uh, it's it's been a really fun to watch those guys uh, develop with this podcast, and it's something that is going to happen all year round. So if, if you're a huge draft person, not only can you get it now, but you'll be able to get it. You know, looking forward to twenty twenty four prospects in a couple months. So I would say that's the number one thing. But you can catch all of our content at cbssports.com slash NFL Draft, and we will be having mock drafts on mock drafts on mock drafts. So. Any any scenario you can think of, we'll probably have it on the website. Love it, man. Kyle, always appreciate you, brother. Thanks for taking the time. We'll try to squeeze one more in before the draft, all right? For sure. Yeah, always great talking to you, Glenn. Thanks, buddy. Kyle Stackpole, CBSSports.com draft analyst and editor with us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking the time for us as always. Uh, it's been a lot going on today, admittedly, and we've kind of been all over the place. We're adding to that list. Grayson Rodriguez's father, Gilbert, and I know you saw the scenes yesterday with him, um, you know, watching the game nervously in Texas, and then the very emotional hug that he shared with Grayson that the Masson cameras picked up afterwards. Uh, Gilbert Rodriguez is going to join us at 11:40. Grayson's dad, so I'm looking forward to that. That'll be a pretty neat moment, and uh, I believe he did say to Griffin, "We'll, we'll try, see if I can get through it." So. Um, I can only imagine. Like, as a father, my God, I can only imagine. If you know the story of, and they brought it up a lot during the broadcast yesterday, uh, Grayson's dad building a field for him growing up for him to go out and pitch on and, you know, just just a really, really special story. So um, 
we will uh, we'll look forward to that. We'll catch up with Gilbert Rodriguez, Grayson's dad, here in a few minutes. So still a lot to do on the show today. We've got that here in just a second. Jermaine Wiggins is going to join us as we go up to New England. We got to get the fighting words. We got Ryan Odom coming up. We might end up going to one today, which would be good because I might end up having to get out of here early tomorrow. Honestly, like it might be. And we thought about because we pre-recorded a couple interviews today. We're like, could we have held one of them for tomorrow? But Chris Rose, we got to promote BattleBots tonight, so we had to air that today. And we actually, I'll admit to you, we pre-recorded with Ryan Odom. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm ruining the surprise for everybody. We pre-recorded with Ryan Odom, and I, we could hold that, but there's a chance that Ace Baldwin ends up committing today and announcing where it is that he's going to play. And so we talked a little bit about Ace Baldwin. I, we just decided we didn't want to mess with that. And we got to get the fighting words still today, too. And there was a lot going on in that world this week. It's busy. Busy day. Again, you might be getting half a show tomorrow. Just understand. It's opening day. I want to get downtown. I want to spend some time with people. So we're giving you a little extra today. All right? That's the trade-off here. Speaking of which, today's show is brought to you by Birdland Sports. And if you're looking for me tomorrow, I'll be rocking my The Birds Are Coming t-shirt from Birdland Sports tomorrow at the park, um, sort of recognizing Omar. I'm looking forward to that. See you there. You're not likely at this point going to be able to get your shirt before opening day if you order from birdlandsports.com, but what I would encourage you to do, reach out to Josh Shiroka because he's going to be downtown tomorrow. And so maybe if you order a shirt today, he might be able to hook you up with it tomorrow at the game. I don't know. So you can reach out to him, Josh Shiroka, S-R-O-K-A, Find him on Twitter. Send him a message. Say, hey, I'm looking at this shirt. He's great like that. and He might be able to hook you up. If you've not seen what they have available, go to birdlandsports.com. The coolest shirts, the, the most fun, high quality, prices better than the big guys. They've got the Grayson throwing gas shirt on sale right now for just $14.99. So go get that in honor of uh, a huge day yesterday for the Orioles pitching phenom. All available. Birdlandsports.com is the website. Go check it out right now. So we continue to hear rumors about the Patriots looking to move on from Mac Jones. And maybe given what we know about Bill Belichick's affinity for Lamar Jackson, that that would end up being the location for Lamar Jackson to find a new home. Rob Gronkowski said yesterday, I, I don't think so. I don't buy that. But we need to talk to the greatest tight end in Patriots history. Well, a really good one anyway. And, of course, uh, a host now on WEEI up in Boston. He is former Patriot Jermaine Wiggins, and he's with us now here on GCR. Jermaine, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Hey, Jermaine, can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you now. Got you, man. Great to hear you. Hey, thanks for jumping on with us. Uh, let's a lot to cover. Let me start with, do you believe that the Patriots are just simply interested in moving on from Mac Jones, even if it's not Lamar Jackson, but just maybe saying, Hey, we've gone as far as we can go with this guy. We need to do better than that. Well, it almost looks like that's what it is based on all the rumors and speculations out there. I mean, if, you know, we had Mike Florio on our show uh, yesterday on the Greg Hill show, and he basically said that the Patriots shop, were shopping uh, or shopped Lamar, um, excuse me, Mac Jones. So what's that tell me? They instantly want to go in a different direction. If you have your franchise guy, you have the guy that you feel like 
is the guy who can get you the promise, promised land, you're not going to be shopping him or shop him or anything along those lines. And it seems like they want to at least go in a different direction based on some of the rumors and reports that we're hearing. So it obviously, when we hear that, of course, in Baltimore, our antenna is up because we know that Bill Belichick in his life has said nothing other than wonderful things about Lamar Jackson. We have heard publicly, we've heard privately about how much he raves about Lamar Jackson. Can you tie those two things together, Jermaine? Can you, as someone who obviously knows the Patriots this well, is around it, say, well, if they really are legitimately moving on from Mac Jones, it makes sense to me that they would try to be in on Lamar Jackson. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely. First off, I thought, you know, the Patriots were, you know, we're in this position right now. It looks like one of the most dysfunctional franchises in the league, at least this year or this, you know, off season. But then I realized the Baltimore Ravens are still out there. And uh, the fact that they're, they're the fact that they don't want to let uh, go or they don't want to give Lamar Jackson the money that he deserves and what he can create for a franchise. And if you are the New England Patriots, I think it's a no brainer. Clearly Lamar doesn't want to be in Baltimore. That relationship is gone. You know, there are reports out there that he talked to Meek Mill, who we know Meek Mill and Robert Kraft are good friends. And if you're Bill Belichick and you know what Lamar Jackson can do firsthand because you played against him a couple times, and it seems like every time the Patriots have played Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, he goes out there and has tremendous games. Why would you not want this guy? Because no matter what team he's on, especially if your team is, you know, decent, and I think the New England Patriots are – have a good core, you put Lamar Jackson on on your team, you're instantly a contender and your name and your franchise is being talked about, okay, can they compete for a Super Bowl? So if you're New England and Belichick and, and Kraft, I don't know why you wouldn't do this. To me, it would, it would seem like a bad move not to do it, seeing that the Ravens have already screwed it up and he clearly wants out of there. So Jermaine Wiggins is with us here on GCR. Jermaine, here's my issue with this. The, the, the issue that I have with is if I'm the Ravens, I, I don't – the 14th pick isn't likely to get me a quarterback in this year's draft. Mac Jones, I, if the Patriots are moving on, if Bill Belichick is saying I, I can't you know make it work, I have no idea how another team would have the hubris to say, but it might work for us. Um, is there is there any way that Mac Jones is really capable? I just look around the AFC and I say there's there's you know Joe Burrow and there's Trevor Lawrence and there's Josh Allen and there's Justin Herbert. Oh, and by the way, you know maybe the greatest quarterback talent wise of all time in Patrick Mahomes. You know I know that you guys you would push back and say hey the answer is Tom Brady, but from a pure talent standpoint, um, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes is insane. Is there? any world where there is something we still haven't seen from Mac Jones, be it because of a disastrous offensive coordinator or not having enough talent around him, that he still could elevate his game to being able to compete with those top quarterbacks in the AFC? Well, I I mean, I don't know if there is, but we know based on what we're seeing in New England, based on what you're seeing in Baltimore, we know that whether it's coaches or whether it's owners, they make dumb decisions all the time. And they feel like, well, it's not the quarterback, it's us, the organization. We could do that. You're seeing that in Baltimore. In Baltimore, they're making it seem like, well, it's not Lamar Jackson, it's the Baltimore Ravens and what we are as a franchise. And we can get any guy 
or maybe not any guy, but we can get a guy that we can plug in and based on what we've been able to do, still be competitive. I know that they hired Todd Munkin to be the new offensive coordinator. You know, he was down in my Georgia Bulldogs. But when you look at these franchises, they make decisions all the time. And a lot of things that they do, they also feel like, oh, we can fix this guy. You know, the Patriots didn't use Mac Jones right. They didn't they didn't give him the things that he needed. So and in Baltimore's mind, they might be looking at it not only can we use Mac the right way, but guess what? We don't have to pay Mac forty five million dollars a year like Lamar wants. So I think that there are a lot of teams out there that at times feel like it's the franchise more than it is the player, or they also feel like, oh, we can fix this guy because that organization is not using him the right way. Man, I hear you, but the hubris to feel that way about Bill Belichick is wild to me, man. Like, I would really struggle. If, if that were the answer here, I think I would be apoplectic uh, on this show for about a week to think that that's the think case. that it's do you think it was Mac Jones or was it the fact that Bill Belichick hired a guy to call plays who had yeah, never called I, offensive plays? Right. I, I get it. I just don't know that I ever saw anything. I, look, I think Mac Jones, in if right now, th- here's my opinion, Jermaine, and boy, you certainly know this more than I do. I, I will start there. If Mac Jones was the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, I would say to myself, I might be able to do something with that because I look around the NFC and I don't think you need exceptional. And I don't think you need overwhelming. I think right now in the NFC you need functional and good, mm-hmm. and if you build the right roster around them, you can make it work. I just look around that murderer's row in the AFC and what guys Patrick Mahomes didn't have a wide receiver on his team this year and right. yet you know was able to go I just think that it's so loaded right now for the foreseeable future at the quarterback position in the AFC that I think you have to have truly special at that position in order to have a chance at breaking through and I just don't know that I saw anything from Mac Jones you know beyond play calling just from a sheer talent standpoint that would make me believe he can become truly special to compete with those outstanding quarterbacks right now that are throughout the conference. Well, and I completely agree with you. But see, you and I think that way, but sometimes you run into coaches that they think they know more or they make idiotic decisions. You got a guy in Baltimore and Hobart, if he felt the same way, do you think he would even be, you know, in this position with Lamar Jackson, who is one of those guys yeah. that can elevate, elevate your team and compete against the Patrick Mahomes, compete against the Josh Allen. So he's not doing that, and he's, he's willing to let this guy walk. So I think that you and I understand that, and I completely agree with you, and I don't, even, I don't think Mac has that capability. But if you're of the Baltimore Ravens or you're another team, Sometimes they're so stubborn that they think it's them that they feel like, oh, we can get this guy who's cheap and Mac Jones, he's still on his rookie deal. We can then build around them. What our coaches, we can now compete and be able to put ourselves in a good position. So, uh, But I do agree with you. I think that you have to have one of those guys, and I don't think Mac is that guy. Um, but if you're the Patriots, you basically – in my opinion, you have no option. You show that you didn't want him or yep. you don't have the confidence in him. So now you got to And go. I think yeah. he feels that. Yeah, yeah. you got to be similar, similar, similar with the Ravens are doing, right? It's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the a Lamar tough thing. Look at the Ravens like 
they have confidence in him and they're willing to pay him that type of money? No. So if he comes back, there's just going to be animosity there, and at the end of the day, it won't work. It, it's a tough thing, right? Like you mean, because I've I've had to you know defend at times the Ravens. They have like offered him the second most guaranteed money in the history of football, right? Like they they do want him back, but to your point, it's not enough, and I don't know. Well, how I mean, think. that's 133 million. Right. I don't. Right. I mean, based on what we've heard, that's how much they offered him. Yep. 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 That's correct, and and that's that's nothing compared to. Josh Allen, who got 150 million guaranteed. Mahomes got a buck 45. Deshaun Watson got 230. Um, you start to see some of these other quarterbacks. It, based on what Lamar Jackson has proven, and I agree. Listen, you you look at Baltimore's their 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 players around them. Other than Mark uh, Andrews, they have nobody. When he's in that lineup, they're always competitive in the sense of they're a legit contender. When you don't have him, you don't stand a chance. So as a Pats fan, I'm willing to give up two first-round draft picks and throw Mac Jones in there if that's what you need to get a guy that I know instantly gives my franchise, the team that I like and I love, a legitimate chance to go blow for blow with the Joe Burrows. Because I tell you what, if Lamar's playing in that playoff game, they beat Cincinnati. Well, there's no doubt about that. There is no question that's true. And frankly, Jermaine, I'd just rather have Lamar Jackson as my quarterback. And at some point, if you feel like you're overpaying him, I'd just do that because I'm not going well, through the hell of not having a quarterback, man. Like that is Well, Baltimore don't want to Baltimore don't want to do that. So yeah. hopefully by Baltimore being idiots, it <laughs> works in the favor of the Patriots. And we're somehow able to get this done. And at least the owner said, Robert Kraft said, Hey, if Bill wants him, you know what? It's his decision, uh, and hopefully that's something that they're able to do because I, I don't. I ultimately think that the relationship is strained um, and it's broken between Mac and Bill, similar to what yeah. you guys are seeing now there between between Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. Is and that, I don't think relation. And I don't think teams can play when the quarterback and the coach are not on the same page. Is there any juice left in Nelson Aguilar as he comes to Baltimore next season? Is there any, like, I, outside of just being a guy who's still listed as a wide receiver, like, is there anything <laughs> that's still there that the Ravens can get out of him? I would say maybe there's a little juice and maybe Lamar could bring it out of him, oh, but unfortunately yeah. it doesn't look like Lamar's oh, going to be great. there. Great. So... You're probably going to get the same Nelson Aguilar we saw, whether it's with uh, Snoop Huntley or whoever ends up being the quarterback for the Ravens. If, but if Lamar was there, I could say maybe he elevates him to a little bit better than what you saw in New England. But um, unfortunately for you guys, it looks like Lamar is not going to be there. So you're going to get the same Nelson Aguilar that we saw. I'm hoping that at some point money will solve all of the problems between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I will remain hopeful until I am. I have no <laughs> hope left because that's all. It's all I got, Jermaine Wiggins. It's all I got. At J well, Wiggs, keep believing. Keep believing. Amen. At J Wiggs 85 on Twitter is how you follow him. You hear him on WEEI Odyssey up in Boston. Jermaine Wiggins, really appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Not a problem. Take care. It's Jermaine Wiggins, former Patriots tight end, with us here on GCR. Yeah, I'm out. Uh, that's a big no on Mac Jones. And again, that's the problem with the Patriots. Like the Patriots make all the sense in the world from a New England standpoint. Jermaine, Jermaine yeah. everything that Jermaine brought up. If I'm in New England, I'm screaming about it. But from a Ravens standpoint, I'm not getting the quarterback out of this deal. 
No effing chance. And the thing you say, well, just stockpile a ton of picks and take your chances. Cool. Talk to the Jets about how that's worked for them. Talk to the Commanders. I get it. I think the Ravens are more competent than those franchises, although, you know, I get it. This has not been great over the last year. But I, this has to end with Lamar Jackson, another franchise quarterback, or a player that you draft that has the chance to be your franchise quarterback. No other acceptable scenario. None. No, well, hey, you just maybe punt on this year and take your chances. On what? As I said a million times, if a football genie could say, hey, you're gonna be, it's going to be a rough year, but you're going to come out of this with a quarterback on the other side, okay, I'll listen, quarterback genie. Who is that guy? How are you getting them? So the Patriots think this doesn't work for me from a Baltimore standpoint. There's just no way that I can make that deal because I... Mac Jones? That's what you're going to line up and say, hey, we'll take our chances again, just Joe Burrow? Say, well, they 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 nearly beat the Bengals with uh, Tyler Huntley as their quarterback. Now try it for 17 games. 17 games of Mac Jones as your quarterback. Oh, and by the way, you can't upgrade your team. Those players are all gone. Within, within that draft alone, there's two other quarterbacks. We're talking about them getting their contracts, them getting that extension. Mac Jones, we're not even oh, yeah, close I mean, to that stop, conversation. Stop. Mac like, Jones, get out of here. Get out of here. Hey, the print issue of Pressbox is available with Gunnar Henderson on the cover, but it's only going to be available for a little bit more than a week. So running out of time to go get this one. Gunnar Henderson on the cover of Pressbox. It's available for free. At your neighborhood, Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox, read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. When we come back in, we're going to be joined by Grayson Rodriguez's father, Gilbert Rodriguez. Looking forward to that. It's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season let's go o's whether your focus is luxury and comfort convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling we've got the perfect highlander for you check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new highlanders from your local toyota dealer today another Orioles season is in the books and the bat around was there every step of the way as the birds posted their first winning season in six years and after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adelaide. Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com 
slash PressBoxSports or listen live at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at PressBox Sports. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? So you can only use the Masters app on your phone and not on your... This country, man. What are we doing? What are we doing? Why is it so difficult to be able to get content? I own a television. I'd like to watch the content on my television. I feel like that shouldn't be so much to ask. I actually don't own this television. This is someone else's television. But I'd still like to be able to watch the content on that television. Why? We're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going we're gonna to solve this. Charles is working on it. I don't actually even care. That's the hilarious part. This isn't like watching something I care about. But I do have the uh, the two leaders at the moment, by the way. I've got uh, Cameron Young, who's three under. And I've got Adrian Moronk, who's two under. Big start for your boy. Big start to the Masters as uh, we did our uh, Masters pools the last couple of days. we got two different pools going on. And... Um, I've got uh, yeah, I've got the top two dudes right now on my team in Cameron Young and Adrian Moronk. So uh, the way I see it, stop the count. Just go ahead, stop the count, call it. It was a hell of a tournament. Congratulations to Cameron Young. And you say, so some people haven't even teed off yet. Not my problem. Not my problem. Call the tournament right now. It's over. End it. Go ahead and give the jacket to Cameron Young and go ahead and give the cash to your pal GC. It's the way I see things. I don't, I don't know if it's going to work out, but it'd be nice if it did. How are we coming over there? We, we, we I'm downloading a web video caster. I have to download that on my phone. Um, oh, then you, you're going to be able to cast. Yeah. Well, I don't know, if, but you're not always going to be here. I'd, we can't get a browser. There's no browser that we could put up. All right. You know what? I'm sorry. It's nonsense. Oh. You're nonsense. You think you might have a plan? There's no way. Charles might have a point here. You can install Safari on the road. Well, there we go. That's what we need. We need that if you can make it happen. Why couldn't I get there? Why is that the fourth option on this website? That seems quite silly, yes. That seems very, very silly. All right. uh, We continue to do that as we monitor the Masters here in studio. Uh, What a day it was yesterday down in Arlington. A truly emotional scene as Grayson Rodriguez made his MLB debut A little bit of a shaky first inning. My God, after that, you saw just how special this young man might prove to be. And uh, we got great joy watching um, all of the range of emotions that his father was going through on the broadcast. And then that incredible scene afterwards of his dad greeting Grayson with, you know, an eternally special hug. And it's an honor this morning to be joined here on GCR by Grayson's father. Gilbert Rodriguez is with us on GCR 
Gilbert, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's so great to catch up with you. Thank you for taking the time. Congratulations on a special day for your family. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Yeah, Gilbert, uh, can you possibly describe what the for, before we even get to the game yesterday, what that phone call is like when you find out, hey, Dad, I'm pitching in the bigs tomorrow, and it's not far from home. It's there in Arlington. What goes through your mind when you get that call? Ooh, I don't know. It's hard to think. Uh, uh, hard to say. You know, I can't find the right words, but, of course, it was very emotional. And, you know, we both started crying. And, you know, I'm an emotional person myself, so it was hard. It was hard. You know, you just go back and you think of all the times, you know, that, you, you know, you played catch, you you know, through batting practice, mm-hmm. you know, you just think, dang, it's paid off. It's so beautiful, man. It's so beautiful to hear. Oh. Uh, you know, Gilbert, I think a lot of people are familiar with the story of you building a field on your property for Grayson. Did you, did you have any idea then? Like, did you have any clue that your son had a talent that was maybe going to prove to be a little bit more unique than other kids? Yeah, I I believe so. I really do. Um, you know, every parent dreams that or thinks that, you know, no matter how good their kid is or isn't, you know, they, you know, at one time, sometimes, you know, through their mind, it goes, you know, this kid's got, you know, he's going to be a professional player. But there are just things that he did that, you know, were incredible. And, you know, he, he loved it. He loved the game since, you know, maybe two o'clock, you know, two years old, three years old when he, you know, he would watch it on TV and he'd just sit there and just stare at it and, at one point, I don't know if he was like six or seven or maybe even four or five years old, you know, he started imitating hitters. You know, here's uh, this Albert Pujols stance, you know, and hits. And this is, you know, so-and-so and this is so-and-so. And we just sit there in, in awe and just wow. laugh and think, dang, you know, <laughs> how does he retain all this stuff? Man, it was almost like it was destiny, huh? Like it was almost oh, like yeah. he yeah. he was yeah. meant to do. You know, I think uh, your story. You you played collegiately. Uh, obviously, you love this game. What did it mean to you to see Grayson take on a similar love for the game that you loved so much? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's you know um. I guess we we just wanted it that wanted that to happen, and when we saw it, you know, it was kind of like we were just chilled and you know just went with it. You know, I I, I don't know how how to say that or explain that, but it, it's not like it, it's you know. not like you forced it upon him. It was just you know kind of beautiful that that he ends up saying I I care about this the same way. Like this is this is what I want to do. Gilbert Rodriguez, Grayson's father, is with us here on GCR, Gilbert, in the last couple of years when it became real, right, when he was dominating at the high school level, did it, like, was there a moment where it sunk into you before yesterday? Like, boy, this is, this is going to be a ride for us. Like, this is going to be something that we're going to be able to enjoy along with him because he's really going to be able to do it. Was there a moment that you remember in his high school career, in the minors, the draft, anything that made you say, "This is real," you know, we're this this young man is going to be able to do everything I could ever imagine him doing. 
Yeah, it was in high school, his senior year, when, uh, you know, the first game, you know, there was a few scouts, maybe, I don't know, six, seven scouts in the stands. And then, you know, as each game went on, you know, there was more and more and more. And then, of course, we got into the playoffs at the end of the year, and there was literally over 50 scouts there and a couple of GMs, you know, talked to the one, the GM from Colorado, the Rockies. He came to a game, and I was like, man, this is real. I said, hmm. you got a GM down here watching your son. You know, that's that's crazy. You know, you're thinking, gosh. You know, and, you know, that's when I thought, okay, we're on this ride. And, you know, a lot of my friends told me, man, enjoy the ride. <clears throat> and I did. I, it was something special just to see that many scouts there. You know, every time he got in his wind-up, you know, there, there was – 40, 50 guns, you know, come up, you know, and it was just, it was just, it was a heck of a scene just to see, you know, scouts start pointing their guns. It was crazy. How, how the, 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 the downs, before we get to, because yeah, I, boy, yesterday was so special, but before we get to that, the downs, you know, the injury a year ago, believing we all thought he was going to be on the major league roster and then, you know, he gets sent down and maybe struggled a little bit working deeper into games in the spring. How did he handle all of that? How did you handle all of that as a father? You know, I, I know it's, it's an inclination of every father to want to protect their kids and to never feel any amount of pain. I've got two sons of my own, and, like, I, I feel that in a real way. How did you try to help him through, you know, facing a little bit of adversity over the course of the last year? Well, the main thing, or the first thing we told him, you know, it's, it's in God's hands, you know, and it's, you know, God's got a plan for you. And this, you know, this might be the route he wants you to take for now. Just, you know, not throw you in there as soon as, you know, you probably should be. But, you know, that was one thing that we tried to tell him, you know, was, you know, put it in God's hands and, you know, let him do it, take care of it. And, of course, you know, they, they were sending him to Florida and he asked if he could come home for a week. So, he came home for a week before he went to Florida. And so that helped out a lot. You know, he got to be with us. We got to be with him. And, you know, we just talked. And, you know, he was building a house. So he, you know, that helped a little bit for him to go there and look at his house and, you know, and just be home for a little bit. And then he was ready to go to Florida. And, you know, and so when he said, you know, he went to Florida, he said, I'm ready. I'll get back to work and, you know, and get back where I need to be. So that's great. That's great, uh, hey, Gilbert. I, you mentioned you're an emotional guy. I feel like every conversation I've had with Grayson, he's almost a little bit more stoic, right? Like a bit more cerebral, almost. Where, where does that come from from him that he is able to handle these moments like yesterday so incredibly well? How has he become this kind of cerebral dude that we have gotten to know over the last couple of years? Uh, it has to come from his mother. <laughs> yeah. She's pretty tough and, you know, she'll tell you how it is in a minute. So, but, you know, I mean, you know, she gets emotional too. We all do, you know, so, but, you know, he, I think he, he prepared himself in high school, you know, just, you know, how to handle it and stuff. So, and I never really had to, so, but I think he knew where he was headed and, you better grab a handle on it early. There's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, let's let's get to yesterday, Gilbert. Um, 
It seemed like at times it was almost difficult for you to watch. <laughs> it seemed like at times you were, you know, you were feeling it so much, and every moment was getting to you in such a way. Can can you take us through yeah. some of that like roller coaster of emotions that you were feeling? You know, starting in the first inning when when obviously you know you had the leadoff walk and it wasn't going the way that he wanted, but then threw on those five innings. Can you just describe what that was like? being there to watch your son pitch in the major leagues? Well, I'm, I'm pretty superstitious, and I guess, you know, most baseball players are. So yeah. I've never sat. I'm, that was the first time I've sat, you know, in a seat watching him pitch. And through that first inning, I thought, I, I got to get up. I got to get up. I got to move. <laughs> I got to stand up and do what I do. I said, it's not working. And, of course, you know, people wanted us to sit with our family, my family and stuff. And, and I'm usually back behind the backstop somewhere, you know, up in the stands pacing and, <laughs> and you know, watching. And yesterday for the first time I sat and I thought, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't. But I'm the same way even when I'm standing up, you know, and you get two strikes on a player or something and, you know, I'm I'm a wreck, you know, emotional wreck. So. I, I, I understand it. I understand that nervous energy, man. I, the problem is for me, I end up eating in those situations. I go snack to try to deal with my anxiety in those moments. The pacing is much more healthy. Um, for him to get through that little bump, because, you know, that for a lot of guys, you, you, go, you make your debut in this big spot, and you got all your family there and friends that will come over from Nagadoches. For him to handle all of that, and come through it and and pitch so brilliantly for the next four innings. What did that do for you emotionally to see him again take on the adversity, face it head on, and dominate from that point moving forward? Oh, I, I was really proud of him. I mean, you know, that's what we wanted. I mean, not that you want a bad inning, but if you have a bad inning, you know, that's what you've got to do. You've got to figure out a way to work through it and get yourself back in the game and do what you know what to do. And, you know, he did it. I mean, he was probably literally away one pitch from, you know, getting pulled. Mm -hmm. So I think when uh, Hyde went out there, I think he realized, okay, he said, you know, I've got to do something now because, you know, I'm one pitch away, one hitter away from getting pulled. So, and I'm sure he felt, you know, he didn't want to let it, all our fans down and stuff. So I, man. he figured out a way to. It was special. He was special to see, and I, I'm sure you've heard he was getting a lot of praise from a Hall of Famer and Jim Palmer as the day was going on. Man, like the he was getting blown up by Jim Palmer, and that is a it's a heck of a guy to be talking your praises. Uh, it was a pretty incredible yeah. thing. the The video that we got to see of the hug that you shared after the game. Um, is there any way to convey what your emotions were in that moment? It's... Oh gosh, no, I don't think so. I mean. You know, it was just, you know, it's like I said, you just go back and you just think of all the, you know, ground balls, you know, hits and just everything that you've done, you know, to get there. And it just, you know, you just, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. No. Explain I, I, it. Or I get it. It's... Just, it just all comes to you all at once. It's beautiful. I mean, I, I like for it's as a father, it's everybody else's dream to be able to have that moment, Gilbert. Like I, yeah. 
I, I, it's such a powerful thing that you're conveying right there and the love that you have for your son and uh, everything that you've been through and to see him take all of it and turn it into this opportunity that he now has to turn into one of the you know, the truly special players in this game. Um, uh, it, it's a powerful, powerful thing. So, so did you were, you, were you able to get anything? Like, I, I'm sure he wants to keep a lot from the game yesterday. And is there, there anything that you were able to get and you were able to hold on to from yesterday's game, like a keepsake of any sort? Um, are you talking like mentally or like? No, I mean like physically. It was like a, you know, a, a, a ball, a glove, anything that, that you were able to hold on oh, to. Oh, no. No? No, that hug, that hug was. Yeah, you can't do better than that. No, that's, no. no. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've got all the balls and gloves and shoes and jerseys that <laughs> that we need or want, but you know, just to see his face and you know, and get that hug. That was all I needed. Man, you're gonna make me get a little emotional, Gilbert. You're gonna I'm gonna end up losing it here in a second. That's it's that's so cool. Um, I hope that you're starting to feel the love from uh, folks back here in Baltimore. I hope you and your family um, are starting to feel a little bit about uh, how special uh, we feel about this young man and um, how excited we are for him and for your family and for what's to come here in a few years. We, I hope that the next time we're talking is like at the World Series um, after your son oh, yeah. mows everybody down. And we're celebrating everything. Um, Gilbert, I, it, it was such a joy to see that relationship play out yesterday. As much as it was a joy for us to watch your son pitch, to see that love that you have for him and what it meant to you, I think added so much more for every Orioles fan to see that happen. I, I, congrat, well, congratulations doesn't go nearly enough. Um, it's an awesome well, story. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, and we do love Baltimore and the fans. Uh, uh, we had family and friends there, you know, anticipating that he was going to pitch either Monday or Tuesday. So they went to the games. You know, they went ahead and went to the games and stuff. And, and I had some friends text me, I think, on Tuesday night or, no, Monday night, that they sat by some Baltimore fans that came all the way from Baltimore to watch him, you know, and anticipating that he was going to pitch also. So, you know, there, there were a lot of Baltimore fans there that, you know, came to watch him that made the trip. So that was really special. And that meant a lot. So. That's awesome. Uh, Gilbert Rodriguez. So, we're so happy for you and your family. Congratulations. We can't wait to see what's next. Thank you. I know it's a busy day for a busy week for you guys. Thank you for hopping on with us this morning. Yes, sir. Thank you. Gilbert Rodriguez, Grayson Rodriguez's father. Boy, that's, uh, that's something, man. That is, uh, there is some real power in those words, and um, that hug, that hug, man. I tell you, I'm a dad, and every I'm soft now because I'm I, I was never that that hard to begin with, but I'm so much softer now because I'm a father, and like I felt it in that moment. Everything that he's describing, I felt all of it in that moment. Congratulations to uh, Gilbert Rodriguez. Congratulations to Grayson Rodriguez, their entire family, and. Uh yeah, we're we're not slowing down that hype train, man. <laughs> like, remember I was talking about three innings. Got he five, looked, yeah. Got five. And by the way, at that point, it looked like he could keep going. Now again, the Orioles are going to make decisions, thinking about the now and thinking about the future. 
there was you know from the, where we were in the fir- in the first inning we were thinking about pure disaster right like we were thinking about well Austin Vos going to have to come in now you're going to send Grayson back down now who's going to start in five like we're going through the disastrous thoughts in the first inning and then you're coming out of it after you know four innings later and you're like okay well this dude's never pitching again in the minor leagues like go get your futures bets in now for Cy Young like not not for Cy Young. <laughs> Rookie of the year, though, maybe. Maybe. Who else is out there? I mean, there's a lot of options, but that was was cool. That was really cool. Thank you to Mm -hmm. Gilbert Rodriguez for taking the time for us this morning. All right, let's get into Fighting Words. Fighting Words is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect, the absolute perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Big week, a lot going on. By the way, nice backhanded compliment from our pal Andrew Stetka. He says... Oh, oh, he said... I thought he said rarely. He actually said regularly. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. not backhanded at all. Oh, I know, damn I, thought, it. I, was like, I was like... I was like... Damn it. it. That was, okay. that was actually was unbelievably okay. kind. Son of a bitch. <laughs> For a guy who rarely does. I'm just not used to that. He I thought should've. we were I <laughs> thought we were going back at it. That's incredibly sweet from Stecca. Damn it. Incredibly <laughs> sweet. That's very sweet of you, Andrew. I love you. Thank you for that. It's, it's very kind of him. Damn, he said something very, very nice, and I just didn't expect it. I thought it was going to be backhanded, so... <laughs> Oh, and by the way, happy birthday to uh, John and Little Rock. As happy well. birthday, John. Happy birthday, John. Um, enjoy your day, my friend. All right. Uh, big week, obviously. Um, I assume we're starting with the thing. We will start with the event this weekend. Um, oh, no. I thought you think that's where we were starting. I thought we were starting with the story of the week. What is the story of the week? The UFC and the WWE merging? It's a pretty big story. I thought bro. it was how Bad Bunny got ripped out of the stands. Ah, yeah. They're there was like, that. Right. There what was are we that. talking yeah, I I had that uh, in a combination it's with kind of the story. Yeah. Um yeah, so that was the second part. Um yeah, they're uh kind of getting ready for this big big week they're having reintroducing Miami with announcing this uh partnership with uh Endeavor is partnership with uh MME and WWE and UFC are coming together. Um it honestly creates kind of like a I think in a odd way, a healthy monopoly. So I'm going to disagree about that. But here's the bigger issue that I have with it. We ended up talking about it. It was such a big story that we talked about it earlier in the week. I couldn't wait till Thursday on this one. Um, I have two issues. One, to me, there will never be a healthy monopoly. Like, that can't exist. It's not good for anybody. It, like, you know, if, if your point is, and Griffin brought this up, the idea that, like, maybe a UFC fighter could also make an additional amount of money by going and doing something, dipping their toes in a WWE thing, that's all well and good. That's not competition, though. You need competition in order for to have the healthiest world for fighters. Like, if you want to say, hey, maybe that's better than no option, like, okay, I can give you that, but you need there to be an actual competitor in order for a fighter to be able to figure out exactly what they're worth in order to get the most out of it. So I can't agree on healthy monopoly. I can never agree on that. The bigger concern I have is that it dances more down the road that I've talked about a lot over the years, which I soured on the UFC because they started being the WWE. They started being Carnival Barkers, and they let Phil Brooks, you know, who had no qualifications, and it was an embarrassment that he was involved with the UFC, but they allowed that because they just started selling out for, well, we don't really care about 
competition. We just we need buys. We need you know interest, and that to me as a fan is never okay. And you guys push back on what a couple of people had said about Colby Covington getting the title shot immediately. But I, this has happened a ton. Francis Naganu isn't in UFC. Like they are, it's not, it's less and less legitimate every day and more and more chosen, more and more. This is the best fighter of the guys that we've picked to allow to fight. Um, and that's they, they have to run a business, and they're allowed to do whatever they want to do in running their business. But as a fan, it eroded confidence that I had in what it is that they were doing. And the more that I see them walking around with WWE and cross-promoting, and you know, if they have Roman Reigns show up and stare somebody down in a ring or whatever, I, the, I'm going to be hurt as a fan more and more by the more of that that goes on. It, it doesn't, to me benefit maybe from a business standpoint again i get where it could benefit but it doesn't from a sporting standpoint from a competition standpoint there's nothing good to me for the company about them walking with wwe so i i included it with uh uh in the storyline of this card this weekend because i think when they have when they sit down and have talks like this they have stars on the mind of the likes like israel adesanya where he's that guy that can help both he's the type of people they're looking for where they he can make both companies a guy that kind of transcends the UFC billions of dollars. Yeah. yeah, and he's gonna have such an easy transition into WWE because he's already a, you know he already yeah. dances. With, he did the he did the Undertaker and, right. intro. I, I and I guess it's yeah maybe because we're 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 currently big UFC fans, so we're trying to look at look for the positives in this. Even though overall, well, I think if you want like to try not... to find a positive, you can try to find some positives if that's what you're inclined mm-hmm. to do. Is say I want to look at positive sides of it. You can probably do that, but. To try to ignore all the other stuff at the same time. I think the where I stand from is I would rather this than the smaller companies that are the competition trying to go above and beyond to the point where they're doing outlandish, unethical things that we've seen other promotions do to try and like get att- more attention than like, the WWE or like like the UFC. Like like, like what? Like one having well, down, just, like you can down knee, you can knee a down opponent, that kind of thing. I mean, they or, literally have another product that involves, is, it's a slap fight. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, like, yeah. That's, that's unethical. Yeah. My my WTF uh, story for this week is um, a Russian promotion uh, called Ice Fights. Um, it's just, they take the hockey out of hockey and they do, do the fights. But I'm saying you, the the, Dana White is already doing it. Yeah. That slap thing is an embarrassment. It's an American embarrassment. And, and and that's him I th- trying to get in on the competition as well, which I don't like. I, I agree is, with you on that. Like he's a carnival he, barker. The, he he's already ate up the competition. Why are you creating competition for yourself? But like, it's it's a step beyond that. Yeah. Like you you have to be willing to call a spade a spade. All Dana White is is a carnival barker. That's it. He's yeah. no different than anyone else. That's a, a a shuckster. He's got something that he wants to sell you to make money and he doesn't care about anything else other than trying to sell you something to profit now again this is capitalism baby this is america right like i get it that's the way we do things here and it doesn't alone inherently make him evil there are other things about dana white that absolutely make him evil he's garbage i i had to go through that thing with dana white like i had to go through the Hey man, I appreciate that you're that you're at the helm of this product that I like, and then I had to figure out like, oh right, but you suck, like you suck, 
Yeah. Th- you're 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 no different than anybody else. Like you're awful. Um, you have the right to be. This is America. That's the way that it works. If nobody's going to charge him for slapping his wife, then you know, like the, the system is what the system is. That's the way that it goes. But like. Not a fan. Never will be again. I don't know that he could do anything that could get me back to saying I like Dana White. Again, that's not the bigger problem. He wants you to like the fighters. If no, actually, that's not true. He really wants you to be a fan of Dana White because he wants his, to be the face of the company. Fridays and yeah, yeah right. Like, like he definitely wants you to be a Dana White fan. But I can be a fan. Like I, I like watching John Jones fight. Mm-hmm. So when John Jones fought, I went out and watched it. Right. Like I'm going to do that. But man, yeah, I, it, I, I, none of this is good. To, it's. I, Again, from a business standpoint, if I worked for the UFC, I'd say this is a good thing. But from a fan standpoint, leaves you worried. It definitely. I, who do you think it benefits more, the UFC or WWE? It's interesting that UFC's valuation was a little bit more than WWE. I don't really know where that comes from. Like, I, I, maybe just because they pay so little to the fighters, like yeah, that maybe. that I mean, benefits them just because there's less of a cost involved than it is yeah. for WWE. I mean, they, they, they get seven hours of programming on ESPN every week. Yeah, ESPN but, app, but I least, mean, WWE gets least. programming on US. That's WWE true. has That's Fox. True, yeah. They have true. two hours of primetime programming on Fox. But WWE has to pay more for the talent. They have to have a training facility for the, like, like... Think about the... It's maybe the, a well-run It's business. the year-long, yeah. um, it's the year-long, like, traveling show The WWE That's is. true. They got to they gotta send... UFC, the last couple years, yeah, half their the shows basement. have been right. in, the in their, in their yeah, own, in their backyard, in their own yeah. facility. That's a very good point. So yeah, it might yeah. be that the costs have what led to the valuation of UFC being slightly more... And it, it wasn't overwhelming. I don't remember what the number... It might have been was like 10, 12 to 9? I thought it was 10 to 8, something oh. in that neighborhood, whatever it was. Um, it wasn't drastic... But it was interesting to me because if you had asked me before this week, hey, which company would have a higher valuation, I would probably have said WWE, right? They've been around a lot longer. They have more name brand. Yeah. You know, they have a more familial audience. They're more, that's why Fox wanted them is because it was family type of programming they could put on TV. The UFC will never have that. So, you know, that was a surprising thing to me. I always have to dig more into, you know, why that's the case and, and you know, how that works. But... From a from that standpoint, you would say that it's more be- beneficial WWE, right? Because they get to partner with the company that's slightly that's valued slightly more than they are. But I, I would almost say the only value is WWE. If the, the also the other thing you got to keep in mind is you care deeply about Israel Adesanya. He's one of the biggest stars in UFC, and he's not yeah, a name still, brand. Yeah. Like the, my kids have no idea who Israel Adesanya is. They know who all of the professional wrestlers are. They don't know a single UFC fighter. One. So, I don't I don't know. Like, Can there be places where it makes sense, again, from a business standpoint, for them to walk together? Absolutely. But... I mean, while we're talking about Dana White, uh, f- hashtag fire Vince McMahon is trending right now. Well, I so. mean, Vince McMahon's also garbage. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah. probably even more garbage than Dana White is as a person. Like, I think we have even more on Vince McMahon than we have on Dana White. I'm I'm in a strange place with that too because professional wrestling fans are very upset because part of this announcement was that Vince McMahon would get a little bit more control again of WWE and apparently the first show they did after this announcement was Monday night and he was right back to being in charge of everything and the the talent is beside themselves about that like it's 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 so funny that Aaron Oster pointed out to me like the similarities between the McMahons and the, the Roy family from Succession, and I'm like, oh my god, it's exactly that. Like that's exactly what this is. That no matter 
You got to inform me on succession. Oh, dude, you have to watch. Okay. It, there's no one to root for. You hate everyone. Everyone sucks. Everyone is awful. And you can't stop watching. It's still a little funny, Just right? that alone makes me think, okay, you know. Dude, it's Stephanie McMahon. It's the, Shane O'Mac. Like, and for moments you can't find like you for moments you find yourself kind of liking that like for a moment you're like, well, this is better than Vince, so I I want this guy to be in charge. And then you like remember that that guy is always going to default back to Vince when all said and done, like Kendall, oh my god, you are I right. can't cuz I will leave. say my top favorite WWE WWF moment is Shane O'Mac off the top well, yeah. turnbuckle? Yeah, with drop tra- kicking. Yep. yep, I can't remember who it was into a trash it. can. Yeah, trash can, one hundred percent. Oh, um, Shane O'Mac, by the way, sh- showed back up at fifty-three years old at WrestleMania this year. Attempt jumped in the air one time and tore his quad. Oh God! <laughs> and they had to bail out of the stunt and have instead Snoop Dogg come running into the ring and perform a people's elbow on <laughs> the Miz and score a pin over the Miz in order to save face for the segment that they had planned for Shane McMahon. It was, oh, God, it was, I don't know, good good on Snoop Dogg for handling it as well as he did in the circumstance, but Jesus Christ. Um, it, all these people suck. I hate this so much. Like, I just hate everything about it, and I just don't. And, yeah, I don't know, because we're all, we're all going to watch still. Oh like uh, well, you guys are gonna like again. I've said I'm largely tapped out. Like this well, you is a big, still watch the WWE every week. Well, I still watch. I am as a WWE fan. Yes, you're yes. right. I will still watch. Well, that there's you guys. Th- there's I didn't include, but this. I accept it. Right, yes. like it. I can't be impacted. The the performers that I see in WWE, I don't have to worry about. I know that's scripted. I don't. Those things don't creep into my mind. Like, is this legitimate? The problem that I have with the UFC, and I'm telling you, irreparable damage based on Phil Brooks. It's Phil Brooks irreparably damaged my relationship with the UFC. It was so illegitimate. It was such nonsense that it made me think to myself, well, if they're willing to do that, what else are they willing to do? And that's the problem. The problem isn't the known. It's the unknown. It's the, I think the fights are on the up and up. I think they are. But if they were willing to do this, yeah. do I know that they're not willing to do that? Yeah, and that's the biggest problem that I've had with I've, the UFC. Yeah, and I haven't seen anything, you know. To, right, I don't. To, to I'm not. I'm not telling you. Insinuate a rigged it's, UFC I, fight, and I'm not. So. Suge- I'm not telling you it is. But it's obviously, just, yeah, they're, they're they're getting closer and closer with the thing that does. It, it so. would. I I don't know what it would do to me if tomorrow the Baltimore Orioles announced that they were going to let Garth Brooks play in the outfield in a Major League Baseball game. I don't know what I would do from there. I don't know that I would be able to just say, eh, it's cheeky, it's fun, and hell, he played in the minor leagues once. Like I don't know that I'd be capable of doing that, or if I wouldn't say, yeah, I can never watch this again. Yeah, you you mentioning the Orioles, it made me think, like, if they, what's that team in, uh, like, By the way, South- your boy, uh, PFF Sean, is mad that I'm trashing everybody in succession because he says Cousin Greg is the winner. I, he's just so, he's so weird. <laughs> like, what's the league, the, the Banana League? Um, uh, where the, the games are kind of oh, scripted. The, the minor um, league, uh, yeah, like the Globetrotters of minor league baseball, the the, uh, the Savannah Bananas. Sa- Savannah Bananas. Yes. Like if they right. if they partnered with like an MLB team, would that like kind of draw similar parallels to what's going on right now? Kind of. It's. I mean, muddies I the know. water of 
It's interesting because the bananas. I mean, obviously they've they've grown. They've kind of grown. They, they've kind of grown the sport. I guess you can argue in a way. They had a whole like ESPN. I guess I'm series trying documentary. to see, like but see like, it from the side of real to uh, entertainment. Because entertainment helps, to it, sport. It still helps the players that are like the minor league baseball players. It helps them get in with like a real organization. Um, just because you know people are tuning into the Savannah games and they're like, oh, who is that guy that's you know swinging a bat on stilts? And it's like, oh, maybe he's in worth the same way. If CM Punk had competed, I, I don't know, on a at Shogun Fight, he wouldn't even be qualified for Shogun Fights, to be mm-hmm. clear. But if he was competing at Shogun Fights, or where, like, you know, Bobby Lashley never competed at the highest level. He competed at other low or mid-levels. If you're competing at Shogun Fights, you can make an argument that there's legitimacy there, that, that, that CM Punk was qualified to fight guys who don't fight for a living. Right, that that can only train when they can train. You can make an argument for that. It still wouldn't be a great argument, right? It would still be a very difficult sell for me that CM Punk was worthy of fighting someone who actually fights anywhere. But I could listen to it. That's not what happened. He didn't participate with the Savannah Bananas. He participated. He debuted with the New York Yankees. Yeah. He debuted on the main card of a UFC pay-per-view. You can say, Glenn, you shouldn't hold the entire company, you know, to that standard of one thing that they did. That's the problem. The problem is, once you're willing to do that, what we have to have standards. There have to be institutions within what we do. There have to be things that we are willing and aren't willing to do. There have to be times where I say to Griffin, we can't put this person. Did you see what somebody said on Twitter? That's not a person. That's some guy that paid for a blue check mark. We don't invite them on the show to talk about that. Because there have to be standards. There has to be an institution. And the moment I do that, I would expect you guys to say the same thing to me. Well, if you're willing to put that guy on, sorry, I'm out. And I... I'll never be able to feel the same way about the UFC that I did before Phil Brooks. I'm telling you. It, it, I can't explain in words how much it hurt my relationship because it forced me to see all of the carnival barking. It forced me to see how much they were willing to do. I don't think operating and working hand-in-hand with WWE is going to improve that for me in the future. Again, I'm not saying you guys should stop watching. Like... If it's what you're into, it's what you're into. I just personally have never been able to overcome it. I've never been able to have the moment. All right, there is a big fight this weekend, though. Uh, yeah, um, fourth installment of um, Alex Pereira. Uh, looks like the Easter Island Island statues. He's a specimen. His face is long. It's made of brick. Uh, he's knocked out Izzy twice. Uh, beat him by decision. He's three and zero. But Izzy's gonna go for a fourth time. Um. Only second time in the UFC. Second, second time, time yes. in the UFC. Yes. Um, it's so weird. I saw a picture of him yesterday and his like uh, his fight kit for this weekend. He's wearing blue, and he's just so used to wear him wearing black. He's wearing black for so many fights now because that's obviously the champions' threads, uh, their colors. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the main event. Um, so Adesanya is the favorite. Is it because he should be the favorite, or because he's I more popular and so people are betting on him? I think it's probably a little bit of both. It's kind of similar to, I mean, we just had this 
two mm-hmm. weeks ago yep. with Kamaru and uh, yep. and uh, and uh, Leon Edwards, where Leon won, and then Kamaru was like a minus two fifty favorite or two eighty mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, this is not nearly that. This yeah, is like one thirty five or something. Yeah. yeah, I think it's popularity and also um, popularity with the people who are not like diehard fans, and then for the diehard fans, I think they're respecting how accomplished Izzy is in the game and and thinking. He's got to get them at least once. Right. Like, and because even if you watch the kickboxing fights from before, like they were still really close fights. And Izzy was, I think he was winning the one, the, the first one when he got knocked out. Okay. And then same with uh, a couple months ago when they were fighting. It was it was still a very close fight. And yep. Izzy had his moments and Pereira obviously just had the, the biggest moment. How are we supposed to actually? It's like Pereira. 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 Yeah, because the R in, br- in Portuguese. Right. Is, right. Yeah, Portuguese, I guess. Um, it's supposed to be like a sound. Pajera. But is the second one supposed to be an R? Or is it Pajera? I don't know. However, John Annick says it is the correct way. I'm sure that's true. John I feel like I, I struggle with sure it. Last he gets it right. Uh, only, I'm going to just highlight two other fights well, on Burns the main Masvidal card. Um, was Burns Masvidal yes. um, and Kevin Holland Santiago Ponzinibbio because um, rumored, apparently yesterday, Masvidal and Kevin Holland got in a fight backstage. Okay. And Holland, his last <laughs> fight, got in a fight backstage with Hamza and the UFC. Switched around the whole cards just so those two can fight, and now there's rumors that they're gonna do that again. This Wait, what? They're gonna have Pajero fight Holland. They're gonna have <laughs> Masvidal fight Holland. Oh gosh. And Burns fight Ponzinibbio. What? Burns is gonna but murder. It's, it's just rumors. Just rumors. Right. I mean, this I don't. Is, uh, Burns Masvidal well, uh, is a big fight. On the fight, week that they do this off, endeavor thing, yeah. it um the fight happened backstage yesterday. It, it and goes back. Kevin it Holland, goes back to carnival barking. Man, Holland went to tweet and said, uh, "Oh, if y'all." Thought it was crazy that they switched us around 279. Wait till you see the videos. Oh like, God. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, and I mean, not. I wouldn't mind. All right, I we mean, we got it. We got it. Is there anything else that's pressing? Because we are we are running. Oh, um, I just uh, I just had my uh, little thing on uh, Gervonta for this week. Yes. Um, Sean O'Malley. Two weeks uh, out from that fight, right? Yeah, two yeah. weeks out. Uh, nothing f- about Ryan Garcia, but uh, Sean O'Malley takes uh has been taking a bunch of jabs at Gervonta. Um. Trying to, I know what Sean O'Malley's trying to do. He's trying to press. He's trying to slide himself into that Mayweather McGregor. Hey, Gervonta, we can we can Man. do the same thing at bro, one point. Bro. With no offense um, to Sean O'Malley, like you ain't Conor McGregor, my friend. And I just and that, that was my better. question. I just <laughs> wanted to hear you say <laughs> I mean, that. I, there you go. Like, no offense, and I know he's gotten a lot of attention on. So he's 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 been, done a good job at carnival barking himself. This is the world that we live in. Twitter and the the whole thing. I mean, Sean O'Malley's not a, I'm not trying to suggest that he's a nothing, but he ain't Conor McGregor, man. Yeah. Like, if they announced, and, and with no disrespect either, Javante's not Floyd Mayweather. Like, yeah, it couldn't, it couldn't do the numbers. Correct. Now, it's embarrassment that it ever happened to begin with, the Mayweather McGregor thing. It also goes back to, like, all of this, all of this stinks. But this is an embarrassing thing that now you want to do the, the six tenth version of. Because when I look back on the Mayweather-McGregor, those did such big numbers because in the lead-up and in the promotion of it, it was just McGregor saying things that you just couldn't believe he was saying. People was had to tune in. Like, it was the carnival barking. No way he said that in yes. front of a stadium full of people. Yeah, like, that's, what yeah, like, that's what he would do. All right, very good. Thank you. Good fighting words. Let's get a tidbit quickly because we're, we're going late today. Uh, tidbit. So is, last, hang on. Oh, sorry, it's sorry, brought sorry, to you. Yeah. I still have to give it a sponsor. still have to do that. 22 is not too bad. What? 22 is not too bad. Well, we still have another interview. We oh. still, yeah, we have still a lot Ooh. to do before the show is over today. 
Today's show brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball season's here for the first time in history. You can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives. So you can start winning today. Get up to $1,000 in a direct deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. But you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers in order to claim your incentive. All right, so something happened in the NBA that it, twice that has never happened before in the history of the NBA, and that was that they had two different trios. So the, the, the first trio ever to, in NBA history to have 30 points, or excuse me, ignore the 30 points, but to have five three-pointers. So they each made five three-pointers in the game. Uh, it was for the Knicks, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, and Quentin Grimes. That's Hartford County's own. Yes. Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin. Threes. Yeah. He made five threes. Not five yeah. dunks. So they became the first trio ever to have five threes in a game, also to have 30 points as well, obviously, because no one's ever done. No one's ever had five threes uh, by three different players. And then a couple hours later, uh, actually less, I think even less than that, the uh, Pelicans became the second t- had the second trio to ever do this. Because Trey Murphy the third, C.J. McCollum, and Herb Jones. What a random group of players! Yep. <laughs> what a extraordinarily random five threes. How about that? They each, they all six of those players did, and it was the first time it. ever that we've seen a trio on the same team do I'm it. I'm kind of it a little twice. surprised. Aren't that, we like, supposed to be in playoff basketball? But I'm a little bit surprised the, that like you know Curry Thompson and somebody Pool whoever yeah, didn't, like stumbled across know. five threes. I mean, I, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, they didn't really have like Iguodala was never really a shooter, you know. Maybe Dra- that's because Draymond Green believes himself to be a shooter, but maybe that's obviously. why it has happened because we're at the end of the season, so like the star stars are either resting or they're not playing as much. I mean, so you have like top, Quentin Grimes in, in New York; those are kind of top guys. Yeah, though. I mean, well, I mean, Quentin like, Grimes won't play as much when Jalen is. Well, no. yeah, there isn't true. really this concept of resting in the league anymore. Like, right. I, like when I said aren't the playoffs here? Like, you think the defenses are tightening because it is wild. The to seedings me. are so it, close. It completely caught up to like caught me off guard that this was the final week of the regular season like it utterly caught me off guard yeah. that it was the final week of the regular season i'm like because the season goes until damn july you know what i mean <laughs> like you just forget how long the playoffs are go ahead uh both those teams also scored 138 points exactly in their wins how about that yeah. uh all right and then on tuesday yeah that was tuesday night uh lebron had a he, he scored the game-winning basket in the final 30 seconds of their overtime win um, and then he now has the most clutch field goal. Well, actually, he, he in the last – I forget what the exact stat was. But I wanted to ask, most clutch field goals made to tie or take the lead uh, in the playoffs since uh, since 1997. Most, most – cl- so last minute? Yes, last, last minute. Last minute field goals to tie or take actually, the lead. Actually, last five minutes. It was last, last five, five, five minutes, minutes to tie or take the lead in the playoffs, in the playoffs. specifically. Yes. How many players? Since 97. Since 97. Let's see if oh, we can let's... get the 10, the top oh, 10. God, you, you All right, well, we can do five. Whatever, fine. We can ten. do five. 10, but we got to fly. Um, Michael Jordan still somehow. No, not Michael Jordan. I mean, still I, somehow. It, we, I yeah. just, I, there's only one year in there that would have counted Kobe. for him. Uh, can you say Kobe? Yeah. Yes, Kobe is third. He had 34. I'm surprised he's only third. Ray Allen. Uh, not Ray Allen. All yeah. I ever think D-Wade. of was hitting. Not D Wade. Oh, this is going to be hard. Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce is on the list. He is sixth. He had 26 game-winning or tying shots in the final five minutes M- during Ma- the playoffs. Manu. Uh, yes, Manu wow. Ginobili. He is 10th. He is 10th. 21. Player. Tony Parker? Tony Parker also on the list. He is fifth. Just guess two, all of them. two on 27. Yeah. Well, they, ha- they were in since 97? They had so many opportunities. There's a chance there's but another they, Spurs. They is there another Spurs there? played Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is second on the they list. They played in 80-point playoff games. Like, Eighty I to seven, that, but it doesn't. Yeah, it, I mean, like you it's just, only you just in the final five yeah. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, 
Tim Duncan Garnett. 43. Garnett, uh, uh, not on the list. I'm surprised. That's a little that. surprising. Yeah. Iverson. Not AI. Durant. Kevin Durant is fourth on the list, 31. Curry. Curry is ninth on the list. He had 23. It's just because they were winning by so much in most of those games. Uh, Clay Thompson. Not Clay Thompson. Um, Paul George. Not Paul George. Kawhi. Not Kawhi. I guess we would, we would have said there was another spur. Damian Lillard. Uh, no, not Damian Lillard. Dirk. Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, yes. One. Seventh on the list, 25. Did I say Clutch Iverson? Uh, yeah, you did not. He's not on okay. the list. Kyrie? Not Kyrie. Uh, okay, how about... I gave you number one, right? Like when I said... When I let off Well, LeBron, yeah. Yes, LeBron. Correct. LeBron yes. is most. He has yes. 55. So shots. we're only looking for one more. Yes, we're then. looking for one more. He's 23. He's tied for eighth with t- Steph Curry. Uh, Tracy McGrady. Not Tracy McGrady. Giannis. Not Giannis. No longer in the league. No longer in the league. Vince Carter. Not Vince Carter. It's a big man. Big Shaq? Yep. Shaquille O'Neal. 23 clutch shots. I mean, just Make shots are shots, right? Yeah. Like, even if it's a dunk, it's a shot. Like, I, that's the problem is you're thinking of shooters. You're just not thinking of uh, it could be a layup, yeah. too. All right, very good. That's tidbit. Tubular brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. Here's what's coming up. Obviously, no opening day. Round one of the Masters, which we can only watch through Charles's phone for some reason. And i got to turn it off in a second anyway because i got to watch some wrestling before I do the wrestling show. Um, but you can watch it on Masters.com or the Masters app on your phone. Let's go. Because for some reason, you're not allowed to watch hours. it on your television until 3 o'clock when uh, it's on ESPN. Uh, Masson now has Nationals Rockies at four. It's also on MLB Network in Houston or Minnesota. I don't know if you're living there and listening to the show. God bless you. MLB Network, Marlins, Mets at one. Astros, Twins at four. Padres, Braves at seven. Dodgers, Diamondbacks at 10.30. NBC Sports, Washington. Capitals, Canadiens at seven o'clock. ESPN two for the Frozen Four tonight. Boston University in Minnesota at five. Michigan and Quinnipiac at 8.30. The two winners will play for the title on Saturday. TNT, Heat Sixers, 7.30, Nuggets, Suns at 10, Axis TV, Impact Wrestling at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, not too many. New show on Netflix. It is called Beef. Uh, it's with Steven Yoon and, uh, and oh, I didn't even write the name of the other person, but they get into a road rage altercation, essentially, and it changes their lives. It's called Beef on Shh. Netflix. Who's in it? Steven Yoon. Okay. All so, right. yeah, he was, a, he was a, what was his name in Nope? Walking Dead, Glenn. Yeah, Walking Dead. Oh yeah, yeah. Dead was his big okay. Thing. All right, yeah. all right. And then Nope uh, last year, and then uh, Cal Penn will be on a Practical Jokers uh, uh, tonight. It's cool. cool. I've met Cal Penn a couple times uh, randomly. He, okay, and he then, came uh, in studio once when he was promoting the Rise of Taj. Really? He and Art from Everclear came in studio, which was dope. They were also they were both great. I loved it. And then randomly, when he was working, I guess for Obama, I was getting on the metro one day in D.C. and. Cal Penn was just standing right there, and I was like, "Hey, man, you probably don't remember you were in studio with us in 2006 or whatever it was." Just a White House yeah. liaison and on the Metro. Like. Well, yeah, I mean, like that was the crazy part because I kept looking at him like, "Am I racist?" Because <laughs> I think that's Cal Penn, but like, could it just be somebody else? Any Indian? Yeah, like I was like, uh, 
And so I like, and he was on the phone at the time. So I'm like, oh, that makes it hard. I'm like, yeah. uh, I don't know here. So like, he's not walking away, which you would have thought as a celebrity, he would have started trying to get away from the, maybe he was getting on. I don't remember. It was at the entrance to the Metro hmm. and uh, I waited it out <laughs> and I was like, and I just sort of said, Cal, <laughs> he was like, yeah, I'm like, Hey man, you know, and I go through the whole spiel, and he was, and he was, I'd probably lying. He was like, "Oh yeah, absolutely, in Phoenix, sure, you know, it, you know, we did a few of those." But I remember and and art and the whole like I was what like, a nice guy. I was like, "Yeah, you don't, you don't at all." But we'll get more Cal Pen on IJ tonight. Whatever, whatever. Right. Yeah, I'm not gonna make that one. Sorry. Uh, Jeremy Renner is on the di- doing the Diane Sawyer interview uh, at 10 o'clock on ABC to talk about the oh the entire snowmobile the, yeah, the, the, the accident. Yes, correct. All right. All right. That is it for non-sports. Is he doing okay? Like, I yeah, think so. He, need, he needs that Hawkeye roll bed. Man, that was that was brutal. He's a kite in the wind without that. What? He's lost. Doesn't know what to do <laughs> without without Marvel. Yeah. He's, he's oh, Jeremy Renner's okay. had yeah, a fine. What are you oh, doing? He's a funny guy. What are you oh, doing? Like Why it, are you going to war on that, Jeremy? It was Renner? that live. The music man nearly album. died. You're talking the, about the, the, the Jeremy Renner app. <laughs> the that too but then when he oh, made the album it's down. like oh settled come down. on man it's doing right. it man thanks to everybody at pre- oh thanks to our guest we, boy did we have a guest list today yeah well not some Let's of it uh, quantity for sure thanks to Ronnie Brown uh, Dundalk native from Shepard getting ready for the NFL draft Chris Rose joined us thanks to Ryan Odom who's about to join us thanks to Jermaine Wiggins thanks to Gilbert Rodriguez holy crap we had six guests today Thanks also to Kyle Stackpole from CBS. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hit section of the Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. And tomorrow, nothing. Um, Stand yeah, the yeah. fan in studio. That's what we got so far tomorrow. We're going to do a shorter show for sure tomorrow. We will not give you a full two hours because I got I want to get out of here and get to the game. So we and and frankly, I got up early this morning to do some work. I'm not coming in early. We're going to give you we've given you plenty of bonus content during the week. We can take we can end the show a little bit early tomorrow. It's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. So that's what we're going to do tomorrow. All right. Um, thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Costas Inn, Hartford Community College, Guilford Hall Brewery, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Charles at charles.ap28 on Instagram. Thanks to Griffin at griffin underscore bass on Twitter. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday night. Go Cameron Young. Selfish, Whoa. just for me. Duke sucks. We wrap up today's show. Conversation we were able to have with our friend Ryan Odom, who's got a new gig at VCU here on GCR. Well, man, it was just a couple of weeks ago that we were catching up with our next guest as he was getting ready for the NCAA tournament. And now he's getting ready for an entirely new adventure back on this side of the country as he has taken the job as the head coach at VCU. He is former UNBC coach Ryan Odom, and he is back with us on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn. Man, we can make this a thing, chatting every couple of weeks, if you're all right with that. Appreciate (laughs) you doing it. You gave me some good luck, you know, with this job, but maybe not so much with the the first-round game against the zoo, though. I needed you there. Yeah, I know, right? Man, you know, actually, after that one, I could have understood (laughs) you saying, well, we're not going to talk again for a little while. Oh, that's the way it's going to go. Um, coach, take me through it, right? Like, the, you know, something like this uh, happens. I know you've always got to measure where you are. We had talked so much about the success you were having and doing the job you set out to do at Utah State. How difficult is it to say, okay, I, I've accomplished what I want to accomplish, but I know I could accomplish more, but there's this other thing that's out there, and maybe I could do that instead. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this this situation obviously was way too hard to, you know, pass on, you know, obviously, you know, the leadership here with Dr. Rao and, and you know, Ed McLaughlin, you know, as our athletics director, and just in, in general, the, the, the support, you know, that is given to this program holistically. I mean, the fan support is incredible uh, from the students to the regular alums to just the city of Richmond. You know, and then also, you know, you talk about, you know, the school in general. It's really grown, you know, over the years, and it's become one with this community and, and really transitioned, you know, in a, in a big way. And then you talk about the tradition of excellence within the program. Um, you know, it's, it's in a lot of ways very similar to the place that we were leaving, uh, you know, out at Utah State in terms of the interest level and, and the enthusiasm for the basketball program. And so, we, we certainly were not having to give that up uh, coming here. Um, but when you get here and you see it, it's like, oh, okay. I mean, this is a high major job here. I mean, this is a job that, you know, certainly has a tradition of excellence. And, you know, even before Shaka and his staff and players obviously, you know, really took it to another level. And, and even, but even before that, you know, there's some great players, great coaches, great uh you know, uh, you know, just, just teams in general. And for us to be a part of that, you know, it's tremendous. And then you add on top of that, you know, it's basically an opportunity to get back into our network, um, you know, where we spent the greater part of my high school days, my college days. It's just, it's a, it's definitely a match, uh, a match for us. I, and that was the part that jumped out to me as much coach. Like I, and I, and I know, look, Utah state's an amazing place, but, this is the side of the country and the part of the world where, you know, you've spent so much of your life and you have so many connections. How much did that play in in this factor that, you know, maybe if this opportunity wasn't here, it, it might not be the time or it might not be the place for you? Yeah, you don't know when these opportunities that are, are going to present themselves. And obviously I'm thankful for the players and coaches that have worked for us, you know, at, at Utah State and the different stops. You know, I'm not here if it wasn't for my experience at UMBC and the players that played there, right? And so, you know, coaches, you know, lead the charge, right, and, and are, are a lot of times the face, but the players are the ones that get it done. And uh, I've been very fortunate to have great players over the years, you know, that, that I've been the head coach. And and certainly it was a factor coming home, you know, getting closer. You know, I, I grew up in Charlottesville right down the road with when my father was an assistant there and, coached at Virginia Tech, coached at American, coached at UMBC, you know, coached even south in Charlotte and Lenore Ryan. And so I've always kind of surrounded Richmond and always found myself coming back this way. And then you add in, I went to college in Hampton, Sydney, which is 50 right. minutes from here. So I've got teammates and, and coaches, you know, that coach me all around, you know, that live in the city here. So, you know, it just makes sense, you know, for us at this particular time. And, and, uh, you know, we couldn't be more proud to be the coach here at VCU. At, at He's Ryan Odom, of course, former UMBC coach, now at VCU. He's with us here on GCR. Um, coach, I, you know, a couple things that jumped out at me. I saw that someone in the press conference already went ahead and, and, and took care of asking the question. Famously, your connections with Virginia, not only from the win, but as you pointed out, going back to your dad, uh, growing up there, 
you know, the the idea of that being a game that could happen again, like that seems kind of I hadn't even thought about it honestly when I saw you take the job, but when I saw <laughs> someone bring it up, I was like, "Oh, that would really be great." Um <laughs> is it something you'd like to see happen in the future? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I actually mentioned, you know, in, you know, Utah State, you know, back in the day, you know, we always play, not we, but back the old coaches and players used to play BYU twice. They used to play Utah twice. They used to play Weber State twice. And, you know, obviously the times have changed. And when you're, when you're in different conferences like we are with the University of Virginia and Virginia Tech and Old Dominion now, it makes it a little bit harder. You know, it's, you get used to those natural rivalries when you're in the same conference. And when that changes, you know, it's harder to do. Uh, but it doesn't mean that, you know, we certainly wouldn't be open to playing anybody in our state. You know, they're all good games. And, um, and certainly Virginia and Virginia Tech would make sense for us uh, going forward. Um, it's good for the fans. It's good for the players. It's good for natural rivalries. But, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. You know, scheduling's a beast, you know, every year, uh, no matter where you're coaching. Uh, it's really hard to get games, hard to get people to come into your building especially when you have a good team and a good program. And, and so we'll kind of see how it shakes out. But, you know, obviously, you know, we have a ton of respect, you know, for Coach Bennett and yep. his staff and the players and the, the history of success you know, that they've had over there. And the same with Virginia Tech. You know, I worked there for seven years. And, you know, it's, it's certainly a good place as well. I happen to know how much you celebrated them winning a national championship a couple years ago. I know that uh, that was yeah, something that, yep, you felt really good about. Uh, from a local standpoint, Coach, I know um, Ace is in the transfer portal, and we'll see how everything plays out. Yeah. But I, I do wonder, like, you know, when he was coming up in Baltimore and you were here, did you have any connection with him at all? Was he somebody that was ever on your radar? Did you always kind of know he was probably going to end up a, a little bit above a UNBC when, when he was coming up in this, this part of the world? Yeah, I think that was pretty evident. You know, he, he, he's a dynamite player and a dynamite kid. And uh, certainly we, we spent plenty of time over there at St. Francis, you know, with, with Coach Miles and watching their, their teams and, and all the different players that he had over the years there and still has. Um, and so, you know, I've watched that kid since he was young. And uh, he's just quite a player, you know. He's, you know, the cool thing about the way that he plays the game is he doesn't have to score 20 points for his team to win. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he impacts the game in so many different ways. Defends. And, you know, certainly on the defensive end, Man. from a leadership and a toughness standpoint, and then his ability to pass and make his teammates better. He's just a really good player. And, uh, you know, he's, he's very close to his previous staff, as he should be, and that's the way you want it to be. Um, you know, when you're, you're coaching players and, and, you know, there's a connection there. And I don't know where it'll end up. Obviously, he's more than welcome to stay here at BCU. We'd love to coach him, you know, but uh, and all these guys. Uh, but, you know, such is life in the transfer portal nowadays, you know, where when there is turnover and there is change, um, you know, a lot of times you'll have, you know, some folks that will choose to, to go elsewhere and, and some that will choose to stay. And we've had both so far, you know, here at BCU. But, one thing's for sure, I'm going to be all about Ace and all about these other guys. If they're wanting to, to look at other places, uh, you know, we're, we're certainly not going to hold them back, of course. We want what's best for them, and, and I think it's good in general for student-athletes you know, to be able to choose where they want to, want to finish their careers. And uh, obviously, we've got a great cell here. I'm standing in my office right now looking down at this beautiful court. There's not a better practice facility 
you know, in the country uh, than this one. And so we're not going to have a problem, you know, recruiting, you know, quality, you know, student athletes, you know, that, that can really win championships to come here. I have no doubt that that's true. I know a lot of ECU fans got very excited because of a tweet he sent the other day that said, run it back with some question marks. And I can only imagine how much of a boon that would be for your program at this point uh, <laughs> yeah. if that were to play yeah, out that way. Coach, yeah, no doubt. Can, can you define it for me? Like, I, you know, you obviously were able to get kids to come to Utah State, but given your history, was it more difficult? Did you, was it, you know, creating relationships and diving into that side of the world? Do you feel like, in a way, you're more suited because of everyone you know here, the Baltimore area, the D.C. area, down to those, you know, Carolinas, Virginia, that, that it's, I, I don't know if easier is the right word, but I don't know, a more natural process for you to be able to get kids than maybe it would have been while you were out on the other side of the country? I think, you know, recruiting is recruiting. And, you know, it's about getting to know, know people and relationships and then treating people the right way and, you know, making sure that you maintain relationships over the course of your career. And it's, it's tapping back into your contacts. And, you know, I felt like uh, our assistant coaches and our staff did a great job out in Utah. We were, we were poised, you know, to, to, to get it rolling there from a recruiting standpoint, you know, had we stayed. Um, we had made some great inroads there and we're confident in, in where it was headed, you know, for the future. I mean, that school's a little bit different. There's a match, you know, there's, there's kids that, that, that grow up there, you know, dying to be Aggies. And so you just kind of, kind of have to tap into that, you know, pretty quickly. And we got close with a lot of the coaches there in the state and the AAU coaches as well. And we've got to, we've got to do that. And we've maintained relationships back here, even though we didn't, you know, bring guys out there, right. Uh, didn't really make sense, you know, at the time, we still have a ton of relationships, you know, it, not only in Richmond, but surrounding, you know, Richmond, you know, going north uh, where you are, going south, you know, where I grew up in North Carolina, going west towards, you know, Virginia Tech, where there's relationships there. I mean, there's been some great players that have yep. come from Roanoke. Troy Daniels from right Roanoke, right, plays here at, at, at VCU and, and, you know, was a dynamite player. You know, there have been players from south, you know, from my high school, Reynolds High School, David Hinton, you know, who now works for Biden. You know, he, he, uh, you know, he, uh, he played here as well in the final four team. And so then you've got seven, five, seven guys, you know, where, you know, we recruit guys, you know, at Virginia tech, you know, from, from the seven, five, seven. So, you know, I do think it's a, it's, it's, I mean, BCU is positioned perfectly right in the middle, you know, to be able to go wherever you need to go to get players. And when they come on campus and they see it, they understand that this program is for real. Like the, the people that are running the program, and I'm not talking about myself, they want to win. And it's evidenced by, you know, the investment, you know, they put into this program and into our players. Coach, last one before I let you go. Um, you mentioned the difficulty of getting maybe some folks to come play at home. Um, you know, they've had kind of the same problem at UMBC ever since that game. Um, any chance that maybe if they made the phone call, something could work out that, there could be a trip from VCU up here because it would be a particularly electric night. <laughs> you, put me I, it, you know you put what me it would mean to me this. It would mean so much to this community <laughs> to have you back in that building, Coach. Is there any chance we could make it happen? Yeah, you never say never. 
We never right. say never. All right. All <laughs> we, right. Do, we do have a uh, we do have a good schedule next year, and some of those games are already set. We've got Memphis coming to town here, which will be a good good matchup. Temple as well. We're playing down in Orlando in that ESPN tournament. So we've got some hefty games, hefty non-conference games. But you know we're excited about you know getting going. First things first, we got to get acclimated here. We've got to you know re-recruit our our st- our players here that are currently on the roster. You know, and then begin to to put the pieces together from a recruiting standpoint. But uh, I, I like how you think there, Glenn. I appreciate that, Coach. I'm just you know I got to look out for those guys. You're working for your school. You're you, working you, out for your. You understand? For you your you know I am the consummate homer. It is the way that I work, and I know what it would mean for everybody involved, and for this community. And I mean that for this community to have yeah. you back here. And I know there's maybe it could work out in another way, a doubleheader at the new arena or something like that would be a really cool thing. But we would love. Love to have you back this way. Uh, Coach, so happy for you and uh, for your family. How's Connor doing? Uh, Connor's good. Yeah, Connor's good. He's actually he came in town, you know, for a couple of days here before he has to head back out to Utah to finish school. So he's he's here with us now, as is Owen, kind of looking at, at where he's going to go to school next in high school. So, you know, they're, they're excited to be back, uh, back here in Virginia That's as awesome. well. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Coach, congratulations. So happy for you and your family. Really appreciate you taking the time, as always. And, heck, I don't know if there's a good reason for us to do this again in three weeks. Let's do it, all right? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Glenn. Take care. Tell everybody hello.